Hello, everyone. It is weekly manga recap time here on October the 21st of 2020. We checked to make sure the Nick's microphone was set correctly this time, mm-hmm. so there won't be uh, some confusion 90 minutes into the episode this go around. Yeah, we've only been doing this for a decade, and we sometimes can get it right. Sometimes we decide to be thorough and do uh, checks on this kind of thing ahead of time. We'll forget about it next week. Don't worry. Yeah. We're not going to sell out to all those. <laughs> I, I, I have made a, a, a firm stance that the imperfection of our podcast is a part of its charm. That if we were, if we were on the ball and perfect, we wouldn't really be our show. It wouldn't be us. So can you imagine how fewer, how many fewer laughs we would have uh-huh. if every time that Nick got a name wrong, one of like our assistants was like, no, 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 instead of me realizing five minutes later, wait a minute, I've been saying the wrong name this whole time. Yeah, no, that'd be ridiculous. If like someone didn't immediately correct us to be like, you know, you were very wrong about this plot point you brought up during the episode. I'm like, yeah, but that's like, what makes us cute, right? <laughs> That's what makes us kind of charming, huh? No? Well, I don't know then. Several years in the future, people are like, yeah, look, Miku Manga recap when they actually when they didn't bother to read the manga ahead of time before talking. <laughs> I liked it when they were idiots and made mistakes a lot of the time. <laughs> made it easier to make fun of them. Yeah. Now that they're hybrid super machines and they get everything right, now I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> that's the future yeah uh, obviously we get those upgrades right we, who else would they go to sick kids fuck them <laughs> we should get them first for, hey, our, guys, for our manga check, podcast check out my prosthetic hand why do you have that prosthetic hand it was because i i don't know it lets me flip the pages faster <laughs> <laughs> because they were taking them out of the truck and security wasn't watching <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean ethically? Why do I? Oh, I don't have an answer for that one. Uh, Nick, I have to preface this episode with an apology. Mm. Uh, this week of manga was really bad, and I'm going to be very negative throughout this episode in a way that I'm sad about because normally I'm really sour during an episode when I've had like a bad day and I just carry it into the podcast. Mm-hmm. Not today. Today's actually been pretty good. All things considered, but uh, not this week of manga. No. Uh, the only exception to my tweet that I made earlier this week was that I had not read Ayakashi Triangle at that time. And that one was okay. So that's like a top three series this week. It's uh a lot of the series uh, that we usually talk about seemed to take a bit of a step back um, when the uh, main jump dropped this past Friday. Mm. Uh, oh, well, you know, sometimes you just get weeks like that. Yep. But worry not, Chris, for it is our solemn duty as people on the Internet who talk about manga to make it fun. So, yes, guys, it's I'm- October. We're getting ever closer to the end of the month. That means we've got zero spooky manga chapters to talk nope. about this week. I don't think a single serious scary thing <laughs> happened in all of this. Well, wait, I guess Kaiju number eight had a little scary thing happen in it. It's somewhat kind of it's kind of terrifying how quickly we never learn went back to base no. fan service nonsense. That's kind of like meta scary, right? That's what we, we're, we're going for. 
It dealt with an apartment thing that had to do with Kirisu, so you could, you'd think it would have been a nice excuse to have Ghost Girl show up again, but Nana addressed that point with an unrelated character in a yeah. previous ending story arc because Ogata, we were just strapped for ideas on what to do with her. <laughs> so uh, instead, no, Kirisu was, well, we'll talk about that about halfway through the episode. We got to start off the recap portion of Weekly Manga Recap talking about My Hero Academia, chapter number 288, Save Takeo! Or Takeo, I don't know. I, I I think that I associate that with Takeo Spikes, the NFL player from the 2000s. Oh, well. Is that... He was a linebacker, right? He was. He yeah. played mostly for the Bengals, also a bit for the Bills. Okay. I think that he uh, died tragically, unfortunately. So. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I was wondering why the name stuck in my mind, and that was probably it. <laughs> probably it. And it's really unfortunate when that happens, but sadly... Uh, professional sports are awful in a lot of ways. So anywho, we get this very odd shot to begin with in uh, a cargo plane. Uh, Someone is barking out information and saying, and the pilot is saying to the person riding with them that, you know, Hey, top speed is dangerous. So please sit down, especially since you're not back to full health yet. But they reply, countless lives are being lost. Nothing else matters. So don't change the subject. Uh, So, my instinct here is that this is best genist, uh, since, of course, genist had, you know, the injuries that he was uh, recovering from even before uh, Hawks, quote unquote, killed him. And uh, it makes oh, a bunch of sense to me that he would show up at, in a time when Bakugo is in dire straits. Mm. So. Uh, but who knows? You know, I've been wrong about my hero academia before, so. I'm telling you, Hagakure is the the traitor. I'm telling you, (laughs) that unimportant, (laughs) invisible girl. (laughs) That unimportant plot line that it sounds like they dropped as well. (laughs) Pretty much. It seems like. (laughs) So this chapter is focused not on the whole fight with Shigaraki, but with uh, Gigantamachia and related characters. That part of the whole conflict. We get a couple of pages of just like uh, warnings being shouted out. Uh, we see him briefly in the background kind of storming through like you, it's almost like a kind of a Cloverfield type of situation because it's like a street eye view of this monster ramp paging through a city uh, and you don't get a very good look at him. Uh, and then we cut up to onto his back where the League of Villains is talking about stuff. Um, and because oh I keep forgetting this guy's name. I have forgotten this guy's name approximately 17 times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, hold on. I'm going to try to look it up real quick. Oh, quirk guy, right? No, no, that's not it. Um, um, skeptic. Yes. Yes, right. Okay. He has so, a decent name. I feel like I should be able to remember it, but I just don't ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I don't like our chances of being able to remember his name. I don't know. I'm, when it comes to us, I'm not, I don't have much faith. I, I'm, I'm something cool about uh, it. Ugh. I don't know. Maniacal. Maniacal. Yeah. yeah that's Maniac, it. That's that must be it. Musical. That's mm, it. Okay. We could do the whole recap in music. No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I could do one or two lines, but then I'm just going to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Skeptic has managed to set up uh, something so that they can basically get a better view of stuff that's going on in the city as they're going through it. As Mr. Compress puts it, that's convenient. (laughs) 
Well, he says how handy, but that's basically what he's saying. Uh, so he's actually able to see some of the heroes scurrying around trying to do stuff. Uh, and Mr. Compress happens to catch sight of Suyu and Uraraka and points them out. So Toga immediately goes to him and is like, hey, give me my equipment. Give, 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 give me my equipment. And then Mr. Compress, in response, says something very odd. So aggressive, you're making this old man blush. Because she's asking you for her equipment? Yeah, I don't quite get that. No, I don't either. Uh, I'm concerned if you're blushing over that. Uh, Unless he's like blushing out of embarrassment for how uh, uncouth she's being. Maybe. Like if he's. He means he's flustered because of the demands being pressed on him. Do you do you blush when you're flustered? I mean, your face flushes either way, I guess. I guess. Yeah, true. All this way we can like rework it so it's not like a creepy old dude pervert thing basically Listen, we just got rid of gene you don't <laughs> need to take up the age inappropriate i'm blushing over how hot this high school age girl is all right so <laughs> so toga gets her uh, all of her equipment back her blood suckies and her knives and everything and she just starts hopping down gigantomachia's back uh and mr compress like hey w- w- yo what are you doing and toga explains herself that well, feeling confused and gloomy just makes me feel sick, so I have to go ask them. I have to. And Mr. Kubras is like, Dobby, say something, stop her. And Dobby's like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> uh, Dobby really is like a spirit animal in a lot of ways. Very bad a lot of times, but I do just love his general attitude. Like, I don't. Whatever, man. <laughs> and not like he's high or anything. He just really doesn't actually care. Where he's just like, you know, sounds good. Whatever. He's going to go kill heroes. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Spinner, however, as the current heart of the group, I guess, since several members of them are missing. uh, And also, he's always been one of the more level-headed members of them. uh, uh, Stops Toga briefly by saying, hey, you know, I know that we're just a bunch of strays who found each other, but you're not the only one who's feeling messed up over twice. The League was the only place he felt he could belong, and the boss probably wants us to stick together. So I know that doing as we please is the villain way. But you better come back to us. Holy shit. I just got that Spinner is a Ninja Turtle reference. I don't know why. This like the panel of him there. I was like, oh, you're a Ninja Turtle. And now I get it. Well, he's a lizard. but Yeah, but design wise, he's a Ninja Turtle in every single way. So I was like, yeah, okay. Maybe he's a spit. He's called Spinner because he spins pizzas. Yeah, spins them peep- pepperoni into his mouth. Or he's like that one bit in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where they spin Michelangelo on his shell in a circle in mm-hmm. order to fight Ninja, which is the the pinnacle of martial arts. That's actually uh, the scroll Nar- uh, Naruto stro- stole had forbidden jutsus on it. That was one of them. It was Shadow Clone Jutsu and then get on your turtle shell back and spin around. What if I don't have a turtle shell? Well, <laughs> that's why it's forbidden. <laughs> Who knows what hell you would unleash if we all had turtle shells and we could use that technique. Uh, but Toga seems kind of touched by this. Uh, Spinner saying, you know, come back to us. And I do like that. Hey, we have this reminder of like. Yes, the League of Villains, in their very weird way, do all care about each other. Except for Dobby. Yeah, it was like, (laughs) yeah, Dobby's kind of like, 
He's not even looking. He's not. He's, he's just like, oh, yeah, kill you. He, right, he, he just happens to be in the same frame, but it's like morally and spiritually not a part of it whatsoever. What if they're like trying to do this, like, you know, sympathetic group shot and Spears like, Dobby, you know, come over here. So you and Mr. So he and Mr. Compress have to like walk over to him. <laughs> so they're like, come back to us. <laughs> He, he great. He's like on his phone. He's just like, oh man, this is great. I can watch football games on my phone. This is the best. We gotta tear down this hero society, but the NFL can stay. <laughs> yeah, those are the true heroes, as referenced by that <laughs> kids' cartoon where I think NFL teams were superheroes or something. I don't know. Uh, I don't recall that. I do remember that uh, there was a cartoon tie into a Sega Genesis game about the Mutant League. But oh, uh, pretty cool. Let's check that out. So we cut over from that to Uraraka. Uh, she's floating up above the city. Uh, she she and, and Froppy get a very brief little scene where they save a few people from, you know, a piece of debris getting thrown. Uh, and then this old woman calls up to them saying, I need help. My husband's bedridden and he's too heavy for me to carry. So Uraraka drops everything. I mean, presumably she make sure that everything everyone's carefully set down before doing that but she drops everything and uh goes to follow the woman who immediately starts like sprinting down an alleyway and uraka is just kind of like you sure can move (laughs) ma'am and of course immediately it's obvious what's going on to me here Mm -hmm. but she doesn't catch on she's got other things on her mind right now and so she leads uraka down around another corner and Iraq is like, don't worry, we'll save your husband. And Togus, of course, drops her disguise and just goes like, you will? And she's like making this I, I, it must be deliberately sarcastic pose like, oh, really? Holding her wrists up and stuff. And of course, she's naked because she just transformed. Uh, but fortunately, she's like, well, I came here to do this with my equipment. So she immediately loses Uraka inside one of the houses and Uraka takes presumably like three minutes to find I was going to say, she gets changed real quick. She's got like quick ties on it. Like she's got Velcro on all of her clothing. Yeah, it's, it's all pull away, basically, like snaps on and off. Which, given her power set, would not be the most ridiculous thing in the world, honestly, but it's still... Yeah, she... logically, you could actually justify that in this universe in the same way that you could justify Yairozu's costume. You're like, it's because that's how her powers work. Like, I guess... <laughs> I'm I'm just assuming that Mount Lady can't get big unless she's wearing suits that conform entirely around every curve of her body. Okay? It's like the so. Animorphs, Nick. If they're not wearing skin-tight clothing, then the clothes don't go with them. Bonus episode of Weekly Manga Recap. Animorphs is explained by Manga. Go check it out. So, uh, we get some, like, <laughs> Uraka can't find Toga inside this house, even though Toga is mocking her you know, from the shadows. And it's like, the acoustics on this place are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad this elderly couple had, like, such a spacious, gigantic house, too, for her to hide in all these nooks and crannies. Maybe Uraka is just, like, maybe her... Stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe her headset, like, she can't tell where sound comes from directionally. I don't know. Uh, and 
you know, Toga's like, oh, I wanted to do this with Suyu, too, and Izuku. I love how cute you are, too, Otoko. I would be just like you, so you gotta tell me, what do you want to do to me? Uh, as she pounces on Uraraka from out of the shadows, knife drawn, pins her to the ground. Uh, the only thing that Uraraka cares about, however, is the fact that presumably Toga kill the old killed the old woman mm. whose blood she had to take in order to transform into her. And so she's like, you killed that old woman just so you could ask me that question. And Toga is like, what do you mean just to? So because obviously this is a very important matter to her because she's not mentally well balanced. But Uraraka in this moment is just thinking about how when they way back when they went on the the uh, Shie Hasaikai mission, uh, Sernadai died, despite the fact that, you know, she was like carrying him to safety at one point. And so she's just saying, listen, I'm trying to save every single life that I can. So if you get in my way, I'm going to stop you. And Toga does not seem very pleased with Uraraka's answer. Uh which this is a type of answer to the question she wanted to ask, I guess. So. Yes. Um, like I kind of mentioned it last week where it was like clearly setting up that Toga was going to go try to talk to either Deku or rock or it's like, yeah, I guess that can happen. It's kind of like weirdly paced right now because we still don't know what's happening with Shigaraki and I don't honestly find this part of the plot line to be all that interesting since Toga's personality is kind of not great when she's not bouncing off of somebody like twice or something like that. She's mm. just, I don't know, killer Yandere girl. And it's just not as interesting, I guess. So it's just sort of a chapter. You're just like, I don't know. These are two characters I don't have particularly strong opinions of interacting about a plot line I'm not particularly invested in. I think that a structural problem has kind of made itself obvious in My Hero Academia uh, over the course of a few story arcs, which is when it needs to go quickly from location to location while a whole bunch of stuff is going on, a lot of times it doesn't do so very gracefully. Because no. we didn't, we were not very big on the whole overhaul arc uh, when it was going on. And I think part of that came down to there's like four different groups that they split off into. And so yeah. a whole bunch of stuff is go is happening at once. But in the moment, it doesn't really feel that way. It feels very stilted. Yes. Um, one of the changes that I noted that the anime made uh, in an early part of the series was that they uh, had the tests take place sequentially Uh I think it was one or the other. They made a change so that either the tests weren't suddenly all taking place at the same time. They were happening sequentially. I think it was when the teachers were uh, fighting against the students. It was like they did them all in a row in the anime when in the manga they had done them all simultaneously. So, yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like, you know, in a big shonen action story, there are going to be times when that kind of thing happens because, you know, groups of heroes and villains are fighting against each other. And you do need to kind of pick and choose when you focus on things, but also you have to balance that out with stuff is happening at the same time. Yeah. And a chapter that also struggles with that is this week's Boruto. Nailed it. Ooh, boy, great, great transition. What a chapter, man. Good Number God. 51. I am not going to go through this page by page because it 
wastes time to establish something very simple, which is not an incredibly big reveal. That being, uh, he doesn't want to kill Boruto because Boruto has the the Kara thing, Mm. which means that he can be used as an Otsutsuki sacrifice. Because when Otsutsuki come to a planet, they need to go in pairs. One person plants the tree and the other like sacrifices themselves to it. So in order to execute that, since Kaguya was killed and they can't use that for anything, Ishiki needs to sacrifice himself to it. But that's why he needs Kara so that someone will instead be an Otsutsuki so that he can feed them to it. Now, there were other Otsutsukis at the beginning of this series, so I don't know why he didn't use one of them. They must not well, have anyway. talked to each other at all. You know, right. their, their schedules never linked, so they just didn't realize they were in the same place until later. Like, oh, shit, we, we could have hung out. Oh, well. So this all gets explained back and forth for some reason it, between the fight with Boruto, Naruto, and Sasuke against Ishiki and then Amato explaining it to everyone back at Konoha. It would have been interesting to do this maybe once or twice. It happens like six times. And a grand majority of all of this explanation does not take place during the intense fight where two of the largest legacy characters in the Naruto franchise are in a life and death situation. It happens in a room with four fucking unknown characters pretty much talking and you're just like, I could not care less about these fucking four characters seen in a room talking to each other, explaining all the logic of what's happening in a fight that we are not watching right now. And another part of it that annoys me is that every single time that we cut over to Amato explaining to Shikamaru and Kawaki and everyone else, he's like, someone will will be like, so what you're saying is, <laughs> and then they just repeat the last point that he yeah. made in the conversation. It's horrible. So plus Amato is very rude. It's a small room they're in and he's still chain smoking. Like, come on, guy, like put it out for a bit. There's children in the room. Now, granted, they might also die because they're currently vessels for some kind of alien god race. And there's that whole part of it. But secondhand smoke is just as dangerous as the Otrasuki. So please put out the cigarette. Ridiculous. Serata. Where where is she? Come on. <laughs> who is the girl? I don't know who that is. She's the scientist guy's daughter. Remember, she showed up. No. Uh, when... no, no, you can stop there. I do not remember her. I barely remember scientist guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's also a more significant character in the anime, but who cares about that? <laughs> so... <laughs> So Boruto is like, well, guess what, Ishiki? If you don't back off the, off right now, I'll kill myself with this kunai right here. And Ishiki's like, kunai don't kill anyone. <laughs> and eventually, like, you know, he's like, I'm warning you. And he just, you know, beats up Sasuke. And so Boruto's like, well, I'll stab myself then. 
And Nishiki just shrinks it. He's like, oh, no. And then he drops all these cubes that block chakra sensing and stuff. Boruto tries to attack him with the Rasengan. And he just, you know, no sells it, grabs his hand. He's like, you know, you're right. I I'm not planning to kill you. I do need you. But and he just snaps his that, arm in one hand. <laughs> that is the best moment of the chapter and continues to affirm that Ishin is one of the better villains in the manga because I just love that note. She's like, yes, I do not plan to kill you. You are right. However, snap, I don't need you unharmed. That's not part of the deal. So. <laughs> so he kicks him around and then he's like, and I need you to be eaten by the ten tails. And then we cut over to him. out was like, so and Chikamaru's like, so he needs to be eaten by the ten tails. Yes, Ishiki is planning to feed him to the ten tails and Kara was going to do this and this and this. Kawaki's pissed off at Amato. He doesn't believe his story. He tries to threaten him. Shikamaru's like, calm down. And Mato's like, look, I just make the best choice available to me at any given time, just like everyone else. So he basically is like, yeah, I didn't know if this would 100% work. I just did this because it's the best possible option that I've got. So fuck off. Kawaki sits there like, and then Amato's like, I bet you just feel powerless because you lost your karma, right? Never mind. I guess I annoyed you by saying that. Then Naruto is fighting the guy and Kurama, the QB, is like, all right, so we're in a bad situation. Naruto, there might be an option. Are you willing to die? And Naruto's like, yeah, I don't see any other choice this time. Okay, well, this is our last stand ace up your sleeve thing. Only worth trying once you're expected to get killed anyway. And Naruto's like, well, why didn't you tell me earlier? Because you'd die, is what I'm saying. <laughs> So Naruto's like, well, I've been prepared to die ever since I became the, 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 the Hokage. No, ever since I decided to be Hokage. So sure, I'll sacrifice myself since this guy is so unbeatable. And then he kicks Ishiki in the face. And he's like, well, hold on, Kurama. Uh, if I could just kick this guy, maybe everything will be okay. He grabs Boruto. He's like, hey, uh, it'll be all right. And then he stands to face him. He's like, I'm ready, Kurama. And then Kurama does something inside of him and transforms him. And he's in his tailed beast mode, except he's got like his cloak is becoming tails and stuff. And Ishiki is like, what is this chakra? And smoke is surrounding Naruto. So you don't get a good look at his face. And that's the end of the chapter. So, so kind of an exhausting chapter where you're just like, oh, that's a lot of fucking dialogue to follow for, I guess the only important thing being, Hey, fucking new naruto form and he might die now which i don't know i'm like heavy skepticism on that it's sort of very convenient that karama is just like there's a form even stronger than the ones we've had that i haven't had to mention up until this point but now it's relevant and you're gonna die anyway so that's why and i'm like all right like uh sure yeah okay. yeah all right god <laughs> okay it's kind of cool. I like Naruto looking cool, and, you know, the fight's there. I like Jigen, or Ishin, rather, as a villain. Or Shiki? Yes. Yeah. So, I do enjoy that, uh, but the, the, the cutting back and forth to that, that room of exposition was just fucking horrendous. I mean, if you had taken that stuff away, this chapter could have been 30 pages long instead of 40. Mm. Like, <laughs> even with all of the action scenes and stuff where there's almost no dialogue, it's a complete waste of time. And it was frustrated for a point that was not very complex. Like, 
they explain why he needs to feed Boruto to it or why Anutsuzuki needs to be fed to the tree at all. But that could have that whole explanation could have probably been like two pages long. Yeah. And it takes like 10. So. Ridiculous. Kaiju number eight, chapter 14. Last time, Mina showed off that she's got a big-ass fucking gun that shoots big bullets, and she messed up the Hanju, and uh, some supporting fire comes in, and she's, like, issuing commands, like, I've got a third round loaded, getting ready to fire. And she's a little bit fired up right now, because she knows that Kafka is, you know, in the squad now, and she remembers that promise they made to each other as kids, and she's like, all right, Kafka, here's what I'm like now. And we see see that she can, her unleashed combat power is 96%. So, you know, power levels. Mm -hmm. Hers is high. She shoots the the Honju more. Giant hole appears in it. Kafka's eyes bug out and his mouth gapes to the point that his mask kind of uh, flies off a little bit. Uh, And they're like, all right, the Honju's vitals are fading. It's collapsing. And Mia's just like... Fourth round ready. Uh, okay, okay. Fifth round ready. Wait, it's it's already down. It's like nope, firing just, pff, just keeps blowing it full of holes. So, and of course Kafka is quite impressed. Uh, he's he's you know like wow. I mean it's nothing like you know seeing it from a distance. She's really out of this world. And Vice Captain Hoshina is like, hey, so now that you've seen how awesome she is, you you're just gonna give up? I mean, because standing by her side means being her equal in strength. And Kafka's like. So are you telling me that you're capable of that? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but he clarifies right away saying, yeah, I don't have great combat power with marksman weaponry. But when it comes to miniature and midsize threats and a yo- Yoju comes up right behind him and is rampaging uh, from behind and he reaches down to his waist and grabs something and then puts his hands back and Kafka looks up as the entire creature has been split in half down the middle and just parts around him. And she was like, yeah, uh, my odds, uh, I've got better odds when it comes to these kind of targets. And he explains that, see, I come from a long line of Kaiju slayers dating back to the Muromachi period, which is, I think our first big indication of like, Oh, this whole you know, kaiju forces thing has been going on for quite a while. Then if we're yes. separating it out by, you know, Japanese historical eras. Uh, and so he shows off, he's got these two blades strapped to, uh, the back of his waist. He says, I'm better with a blade. And he says something that, you know, sounds like a pretty obvious choice for a shonen battle series of this nature, which is, you know, when you get to a certain level of, of combat powers, we have, uh, gear tailored to our individual talents. So, you know, individual fighting styles once you reach a certain point. Yep. Cool. Uh, and he says, all right, so now the main event's about to start. And Kafka is confused because he's like, but she beat the Honju. And Hoshina says, well, didn't I tell you, our real problem is the countless number of Yoju being spawned. She took down the Honju, but those Yoju left in his corpse are going to come flooding out. And sure enough, Yep, there's a whole bunch of them now. That huge-ass corpse had a, a proportionate number of Yoju in its body coming out. So Oshina gives, you know, a little bit of a, pet, of a, of a quick pep talk to everyone saying, hey, we're going to do this, and then we're going to go have a hearty breakfast. 
a bunch of people, you know, are kind of like shouting out, you know, kind of taunts to each other. Woo, go, uh, yeah, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, some of the older members are like, hey, maybe you maybe you rookies don't want to sit back and watch your senior officers do stuff. And they're like, no, we're go- We got this. Um, the controllers are saying like, hey, you know, the rookies are probably getting tired here. And Hosh- but Hoshina is like, well, hey, yeah, they but if they can actually go through this and they have the stamina for it then they'll definitely be able to reach the next level. And he kind of decides to drop a bit of lore on someone who probably knows this already, uh, (laughs) given who the character he's talking to is. But he says, most officers close out their careers with unleashed combat powers topping 20 or 30%. A handful of them will scale that wall and reach captain rank. And the only one to scale that wall so far among this year's rookies is Kikoru Shinomiya, but there actually may be one more who can do it. Reno Ichikawa is showing all the signs. And sure enough, we cut over to Ichikawa, and there's one of the other rookies with him, and he's like, Jesus Christ, I've been training for five years for this, but I can't keep up with this guy. What the hell is with him? Uh, we hear some radios crackle over that, but before they can respond to it, suddenly we see a guy in a monster cleanup uh, jacket examining one of the corpses of one of the yoju. And he's just like, oh, man, the reproductive organs got destroyed. How'd they find out about it? I guess there's someone who's kaiju savvy on the force. And of course, the two of them are shocked to see this guy who turns around and he's like, would you happen to know? And there's some weird pool stools coming out of his face. So almost certainly this is the kaiju we saw take uh, human form. Yeah, so. toilet kaiju. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's there's like a moment that I kind of realized where, um, oh god, I, I'm forgetting Jin Ishimaru character. Uh, he he has Hoshina. this whole Hoshina. He has that whole little speech, and he's like, "Yeah, Reno is special." And there's you know somewhat of a narrative, not narrative, I guess. It's kind of created because of the community we have that you know we never or not we never uh world trigger and kaiju number eight share a a fair little bit of similarities but Mm. how it's like a very big point in world trigger that reno would not be special whatsoever like i'm just thinking of that moment Hmm. where it's like reno is very special and then shark dude's like i trained for five whole years but i guess because reno has somebody he cares about he's like more committed and is able to unlock further powers where it will trigger them and like, fuck you for thinking you were better than this guy. You're an <laughs> asshole. We're all working our fucking penises off. God damn it. It's a definitely more of a kind of standard um, dynamic between characters like Kafka is motivated yeah. by a promise he made with his love interest slash friend. So, oh, yeah. And I'm not I'm not like shitting on it. It was just a moment of just no, like. No. I know there's a lot of similarities between them. That is a very distinct, different similarity because I can vividly recall Osamu having this speech kind of written to him. He's like, what, you think because you care more that's yep. going to make you better? That's not how this works. Yeah, Kaiju Number 8 has more of the, you know, superpowers kind of thing yeah. going on. Anything, so. But yeah, this was a this was a pretty pretty good chapter. Uh, I mean, we got, you know, a bit of kind of awkward exposition from Machine about how the, the, the core works. Uh, but it's all stuff that I'm into. Uh, uh-huh. It's like, okay, yeah, I get that. You know, you got to have potential to be a captain. When you be a captain, you get to have cooler weapons. So yeah. I'm into that. So, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by it. I definitely want to see the next chapter in this one. Hopefully, Ichikawa doesn't get fucking killed. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That'd be a pretty big bummer. Let's move on to Spy Family. 
It's chapter 35. Yours kind of depressed looking out on her day. And some people are talking about this as she, you know, heads out. And she's kind of mumbling to herself, like, I'm going to be kicked to the curb. Oh, what? And so the, the women are like, her husband must be cheating on her, of course, right away. What a creep he is. And uh, so Lloyd hears all this. He's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. Is she suspicious of Nightfall? That would be bad. What if she tells her brother? Then he'll investigate me. That's bad. So um, Lloyd arranges basically for them to go on uh, on a date. And we see, I do love this detail. He he gets a babysitter. The babysitter is his supplier. Uh, was it? It's like Frankie or something like that. Something very. Uh, anyway. Unassuming. And he's like, I'm not a babysitter. This isn't my job. But he's having a really good time playing with Anya and Bond every time he's not directly talking with Lloyd. It's cute. So. Uh. Lloyd goes goes out. He meets up with Yor, and they go to a bar where they've got some. They get some cocktails, and Lloyd gets uh, gets a scotch. And uh, so Yor is thinking, like, "Oh no, wait a minute! What if he's called me out here to announce that he's going with a different woman as his wife, and that's it, and we're done?" Uh, and of course, Lloyd starts like, "Hey, by the way, about Fiona yesterday," and she's so nervous that she kind of cuts him off, and then she's like, "Oh no! If I'm no longer part of this family, what am I gonna do?" But then she's like, well, hang on. We both kind of got into this arrangement because it would just serve our own interests. It's just, you know, a business arrangement. I shouldn't actually pry into his personal life. And hey, if this is someone that he cares about, then I should just step out of the way and let her take that place. And she starts to try and say as such. And Lloyd's just looking at her like, what what those she's like thinking about? And so yours like. I need liquor to give me courage. And she, she downs her, her, I forget what it is, but her like cognac thing. And then she grabs the scotch bottle that was on the bar and drinks like half of it in one go. And she's like, who's that woman? Are you, do you love her? <laughs> the entire rest of the chapter, pretty much. She is fall on her ass, drunk slurring. And, um, She's very upset when he when he's not addressing the situation. Uh, and so Lloyd is like, wait, she's so upset. Does this mean that she's jealous? Could your have romantic feelings for me? And then he's like, wait, well, hold on. If she has fallen in love with me, then I'll just use my spy training and take advantage of the situation. And so he tries to put the moves on her. Essentially, from there, he grabs her hands and he's like, I want you to trust me. Do you hate me? You're I've realized something about you. I want you to be my real wife. And we get a badump meter for your uh, presumably a doki, a doki meter, a doki doki. And the bar immediately shatters from filling up too heavily. But Yor's response is not to melt into his arms or to make out with him passionately. It is to do a high kick and knock him right in the goddamn chin and send him flying. So that's cool. Uh, Lloyd <laughs> tries to no-sell it. It's like, okay. All right, I, I was wrong. He lands on his feet. He's like, I was wrong. No, no, I'm sorry. I got carried away. Uh, she doesn't have romantic feelings for me. Okay, then what was going on? All right. Um, 
wait, why why is my vision fading? Oh, and he's just he's <laughs> lost unconscious on his feet. So when he comes to, he hears a lullaby being sung for him, and it reminds him of a lullaby that his mother would sing for him. And as he comes to, he realizes that Yor has taken him out to the park, and uh, she's letting him lap pillow her. And so he, he immediately jerks up when he realizes the position they're in, and he's like, what, what happened? And Yor's like, oh yeah, the bartender kicked us out. Because she, you know, kicked him in the face, and she was shouting drunk and stuff. And so Yor apologizes and says, brute strength is all I have going for me. No wonder you want to move on. But Lloyd says, you know, when I was a young boy, I can't recall what my mother looked like, but I remembered, I remember that I loved being held by her. And I remember how, you know, even when it felt I was scared that a bomb was going to go off, I would always sleep soundly if she was at my side. She was strong. And Anya's told me so many times that when she's in danger, it's because mama will save her. And she wouldn't be smiling in her jack if she didn't have you to make her feel safe. So you're a strong, you're. And, you know, maybe it's not the kind of thing that an unmarried woman wants to be told, but you are already an incredible mother and there's no way I want to replace you with anyone to be on his guardian. And you're like, well, I mean, but it's not, I mean, I'm just doing what I know from looking after Yuri and Lloyd says, well, yeah, but since you've been doing that for so long, yeah, you've got that expertise. You should have more faith in yourself. That's why I hope you will continue to be Anya's mother and play the role of my wife. And so yours happy to hear this. And she smiles and they decide to go home. We cut over to the forger of residence and Anya's like, maybe they're shacking up. <laughs> okay. He like comes to that conclusion. And so of course, of course, like he's like, why do you know what that phrase is? It's like, oh yeah. From Becky. So, All right. Soap opera girl <laughs> shared some racy language with her. He said he asked her, how do you feel about your mom and dad? And she's like, oh, I love them. It's just, you know, a very quick little confident. I'm I, I love them. Uh, Yor and Lloyd get home and Nanya's like, Mama, Papa, were you smooching? And this is the part of the chapter that actually made me laugh was seeing Lloyd's chin all swollen up like this because it's so weird looking. Just this weird wart coming out of his goddamn lower face. Um, and we just kind of close up the chapter from there. Yours like, you know, the only attachment I've ever had to was to my brother. I never imagined I'd find a place like this that I was so unwilling to leave behind. And that's nice. The next day, Yor has forgotten about everything and they have to have the exact same conversation they had the night before, which mm-hmm. is a little joke to end on. It's a sweet little chapter. I kind of enjoy gaining... Lloyd with your again. It's a lot of Lloyd, but I found myself liking, like, remembering, like, oh, yeah, I, I like Lloyd. I don't know why I felt like I didn't for a little bit. And I'm just like, because we spent like five chapters in the middle of like a tennis yeah. arc. So I did enjoy seeing the ever all the other characters again. Yeah, he, um, I guess the big thing is that, yes, we had all the jokes about how Fiona was madly in love with Lloyd. Uh, but, Lloyd didn't know that. And so there were situations where, you know, obviously her 
uh, enthusiasm and her feelings for him were causing trouble. But he just very casually kind of passed that off in his mind that she, you know, wanted to like she just you know wanted to prove herself on the mission. She had pride and stuff. So he was in his element and handling that. It's more satisfying to see him be taken aback by things like when he was taken aback by how incompetent a, a spy Daybreak was, yes. for example. So uh, this kind of thing, you know, taking him off of his guard and him not knowing how to react to stuff that, you know, shows his comedic potential again. And I do really like that they we have this growing relationship between Lloyd and Yor, but it doesn't go the direction. It, it keeps on going away from they're not in love yet or anything like that. But we see that their feelings that are going are more just the bond that they share as this fake family more than anything. And yeah, it's nice. I enjoy that. There is like that moment of like, oh, wait, he's starting to realize she has feelings for him because of like a ridiculous way, basically. And then like he wakes up in her fucking lap and she's like, all right, back to being platonic housemates. And you're just like. He must not like they must. There was a training lesson at the academy on how to understand love, and he's like, "No, I'll I'll do sit ups today instead," and just missed it because it's like, how did you connect the dots back there? But right here, nothing. It's a nice play on the whole James Bond thing. Yeah, because uh, you know Bond is is a is a womanizer, but he has no feelings for women. Is a common criticism of that entire franchise. So him acknowledging, like, oh yeah, there have been times when women fall in love with me, and I just take advantage of that. And so he doesn't connect the dots that maybe this woman actually does care about him when she's not being like, I'm so jealous of that bitch. So. <laughs> legitimate feelings he doesn't understand them so yeah yeah all right nick you nice. know you are you are gonna stand uh this week's chapter of eden zero chapter 115 the battle of forista which is kind of an odd title because it's not particular i get there is a battle in forista mm-hmm. i will doubt that by the end of the series we are going to refer to it as the battle uh. of forista so uh last time I think his name's like Morn or something. I don't remember. They say it later in the chapter. He shows up and stuck everybody to a tree with glue. Uh, Pino was not stuck to a tree, so he's like, well, time to destroy all robots, so I guess I'll hurt this one. And Rebecca sends out Happy and is like, you use it. You shoot him. And I was like, oh, yeah. I forgot her guns can like work independently of her. But yeah, like, just because we never do have that happen, basically. Yeah, but not enough, like, because you're like, what does she even do then? And it's like, oh, because it's actually like a cool feature they didn't finish. So it's like, I could fire without being held. Oh, but I can't aim. Like, what the fuck's the point? <laughs> well, it makes sense because he doesn't have eyes in this form, which seems like a grievous oversight. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, so doesn't matter. He sticks him to the tree, too. And Shiki's like, no, it's good, my friend. So he uproots a whole tree. It's supposed to be very impressive. And he swings the tree at him. And they have a fight, and they it's have a fight. pretty unremarkable because Shiki's powers are always generally used in the most boring way. They have a speech that the series has gone over about sixteen times, so we're not going to go over again. He doesn't like robots. Monsters Shiki have does. emotions. I mean, robots have yeah. emotions. Uh, I Maybe. mean, devils have emotions. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So Mora, Mora is the name, and Mora's two compatriots show up. 
uh, Brittany and Orc. We did learn their names earlier, but I forgot them, and I guarantee by the next time these characters show up, I will have forgotten them again. There's supposed to be kind of a thing where Brittany's like, oh, don't talk too bad about the robots, because Orc's half-machine, which I guess is because his arm's made of metal. But, I don't know. It It's a thing. They identified that Shiki's ether is very similar to the, mm-hmm. the Demon King. Uh, up in the sky... Uh, Jin, or sorry, Chris, Laguna, and Clean are all up flying ships in some kind of incomprehensible space battle. There's a bunch of effects happening, but it is impossible to tell any part of it that's happening. Um, there's a joke that Moskoy can fly through the air with his hands, and he's helping too. He's only wearing a Speedo for some reason. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Uh yeah. that's I think that's the whole gag. Um They I mean there's a whole thing where they where, you know, they're like, Oh wow, you three are great fighters, and Moscow's like, and I'm here too. So uh, no 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 Nick. No no no. You guys are great fighters. And then Moscow says, I'm weighing in too. Because yep. Nick, I don't know if you've gotten it's it to this point. Moscow, a little bit on the chunky side. <laughs> so it's I never noticed that comedy. It is comedy hilarity for him to make a fat joke about himself. And I think we should all stop. Five second moment of silence to appreciate how funny it is that Moscow says I'm weighing into because he's fat. Excellent. All right. Uh that's the chapter. That was five seconds. <laughs> That's close enough. That's the chapter. Uh, There's a moment where they're like, Hermit, you need to get in and start fighting too. But Hermit can't because she's analyzing things on the ground. And she's like, oh no, if we don't handle this, it could corrupt us as well. So it's actually one of my favorite moments of the chapter, honestly, because she's like, hey, you know, there was that whole thing where I hated humanity for for a bit. And now she's like, hey, if there's this thing that's making robots suddenly turn into genocidal anti-human uh monsters then i want to make sure that all the androids in our group don't go that way so yeah it's it's sensible yes it's sensible unfortunately much of this chapter is taken up with a fight that's not particularly Mm -hmm. interesting and then this big giant space fight that is just a bunch of dumb jokes um i did like that you know shiki had the whole thing where he just ripped the tree out that he was stuck to it's like, hey, it's a cool, it's a cool way of doing it, but it could have been played up a bit more, I think. And also, it was just because coincidentally he didn't have his arms free, which is kind of all right. The, yeah. That glue came, also came off of him very quickly once he started moving. Well, so. uh, I believe the old adage goes: sticks and stones will break my bones, but if you kind of move around a bit, glue loses its uh, hardened ability and just falls off. Yes, that's that's the way it goes. Which yes. is weird because it doesn't rhyme nor seem to have any kind of solid moral purpose to it. But you know, just how they, those old phrases work—they were dumb. Yes. <laughs> All right. Who needs who needs old phrases? Yeah, old people are dumb, is what I'm saying, Nick. Like people for the fourth of time. Get out of here with that. (laughs) People from the 1400s. Dumb as shit. Everything they said was dumb. Who cares? We're the future. 
I mean, you're not wrong, I guess. <laughs> Chainsaw Man. Vroom, vroom. Chapter 89. Go get him, Chainsaw Man. We see at the beginning of this chapter that Kobeni has been playing DDR this whole time, presumably because she thought that Denji was staring at her over her shoulder, waiting for her to finish. I don't know if this fight has only lasted long enough for her to complete the song that was going on while Denji was actually there, or if she was just restarting every single time until she got this perfect. Uh, but she gets the perfect. And hooray! Denji's there! He came back after beating everyone, so that's all done. But he's just kind of like sitting in a fetal position, and uh, Kobani's like, why am I dancing? <laughs> Good question. Makima's back, and she is perched up on uh, on top of a nearby building, and she says to Denji, you know, including that death a few moments ago, I've been killed by you a total of 26 times now. So why is it that you won't eat me? Is my body that unappetizing to you? Uh, she then takes control of the corpse that Denji made, you know, when that one hunter showed up. He's chained to her, along with a bunch of other guys in suits who are all presumably dead as well. And she says, with this, it's settled. And Kabei's just immediately like, I have nothing to do with this. I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> and I have nothing to do with this. But Makima says, oh, you have a great deal to do with this too, Kabei. And she's like, what are you talking about? Makima says, your fear of Chainsaw Man has weakened, hasn't it? And all of a sudden, Denji starts to spit up blood. And he's, of course, confused by this as he collapses. And Makima says, you know, I like humans. In the same way that humans are so fond of dogs. They're loyal, easily handled, clever, and stupid. Just watching them is fun. And also, they love me. And we see elsewhere a whole bunch of people looking at some TVs in a TV store as some news breaks about how Chainsaw Man, the mysterious hero who suddenly appeared in Japan, has defeated the gun devil. This joyous development is dominating the news all across the globe. And so everyone's like, yeah, all right, no more gun devil Chainsaw Man. He did it. And then there are little kids. They're like, look, Daddy, Chainsaw Man fought the gun devil to protect us. And he got up over and over again to protect us. And there are people being interviewed like, he's a hero. And there are people like, oh, yeah, he fought this doll army. And he did Chainsaw. And the, I saw Chainsaw Man ride a shark while taking on the time bone devil. And he saved me from a giant bat. So Denji's been a big old hero loved by everyone. Oh, yeah, everyone cheer on Chainsaw Man. Yay. And Makima, meanwhile, says Chainsaw Man. Devil's fear gave you power. I have the humans eating that power right now. How does it feel to be eaten yourself? And he's just collapsing, stumbling in a pool of blood, his own blood. As suddenly Makima calls on the angel devil who floats up into the air. And she says, usage 1000 years and summons a giant goddamn spear. Is you probably have enough strength left to avoid this, but does she? And she throws the spear through a 
portal into space or something like that. It comes streaking down towards Kobani. And Denji gets in the way and nudges her to the side and takes it right through his torso. And he's spewing blood everywhere. As Makima just says, a true hero. And Denji collapses. And Makima sighs as the crowd continues cheering on their hero, Chainsaw Man. And some people have bought chainsaws to celebrate him. <laughs> and Chainsaw Massacre masks and costumes for some reason. And Jason, who didn't have a chainsaw as his primary weapon. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's close enough, right? Machete, chainsaw. So, makes sense. You know, if you can't, if you have struggle controlling a devil, then they feed off of human fear, make humans unafraid of them. So, it's an interesting way of going about it. And uh, it looks like Makima has won. So, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen now? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've had a lot of difficulty following the emotional thread of Chainsaw Man over like the past two months. So but it's been so easy to follow, yeah. Chris. There was horrific tragedy and crying, and then there was a fight scene, and then there was a couple of chapters dedicated to comedy filler, and then there was another fight scene, and characters that you thought were dead forever were back, but then they were dead again immediately. <laughs> yeah, it's been very, very easy to enjoy. So this chapter's just... I don't know. Just because nothing in my mind, nothing in the past like three months has felt like it mattered. So it's hard for me to look at this chapter and feel like anything matters from mm-hmm. it. Like, I guess I just need to sit with you. it yeah. and see like some permeance happen or something like that. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now it happens. It's Things have been going at a breakneck pace. So I understand if any given individual chapter isn't going to do it, especially in the context of, well... That was then. This is now. That was last week. That was then. This is yeah. now. So I understand you. Thank you. Oh, that was cool. But it wasn't definitely my favorite chapter that Chainsaw Man's done in the last couple of months. So let's talk about Magachan, God of Destruction, Chapter 16, The House Where the Young Girl Sleeps. Get a cool color uh, color page uh, to kick off this chapter. Really uh-huh. dig the split screen, the colors uh, used in it. Uh, I forget. It's the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, it is. You're right. Blue, green, and pink. Huh. Yeah. And blossoms in the middle. Yeah. Wow. Um, Ruru's sick in this chapter. She's not doing so hot. So the chapter's about Magu deciding to take care of her because she's his number one minion. Um... Ren finds out via text that Ruru is sick. The members of the occult club are upset to hear about this. They're like, oh, we'll send her food so she gets better. Uh, Magu has opted to do the, to do Ruru's chores. Um, his method of doing the laundry was to get into the washing machine with the clothes. I don't know how he knew how to operate the washing machine, but didn't know he didn't have to be inside <laughs> it. But here we are. It works. He then just kind of like, like drags everything out the door, goes to hang up the clothes, and just done. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably my favorite joke in this chapter. Done. There. <laughs> there they are. Um, 
Mog is still not, uh, Ruru's rather is still not doing well. She's developed a fever while she's sleeping. Magu flips through a first aid book of some sort and and understands that uh, she needs to, her temperature to be taken down and she needs to be rehydrated and stuff. The doorbell rings uh, and <laughs> I didn't realize this until before, but uh, until just now, but uh, our warrior dude is doing a superhero pose <laughs> when the door opens for him. He's there with Uneris, uh when Magu opens the door. Magu promptly shuts the door, but uh, he barges in anyway. And Magu gestures over that Ruru is sick. And so they have an entire conversation in pantomime. So our great hero hands over a potion so that Ruru can get better. Then he strikes Magu with an Arctic blizzard, which has no effect on down. And they're like, okay, fine, I'm going to leave so that she can get better. Magu uses his chilled form to act as a, as, you know, a cold pack for Ruru. And also, of course, she, they've also got the medicine, but Ruru requires sustenance. So he sends out some of his morphalactics to gather food uh, while he acts as an ice pack, clusters up in a little ball. All cute. Uh, they go. So some of them, you know, clean stuff up. Some of them go to get provisions. Uh, they approach Naputaku at Ren's family's uh, restaurant. And Ren is like, yeah, I'm making food. I'm going to make porridge for Ruru. So, you know. You can help me out. Uh, keep an eye on it and make sure it doesn't burn. And Nabutaku is, I don't know, like, if she eats my cooking, maybe she'll turn over to my side. And Maku's morphalactics are like, don't count on it, and scare him. And uh, then they're like, ah, you have made porridge. Our food stores lie barren. Give us other offerings in addition to the big pot. And Ren's like, oh my god, shut up. So he shows up to... Uh, she, he drops a lot of uh, food off for uh, Magu along with Naputaku. And uh, Magu is like, all is well. Her body temperature is beginning to return to normal. You should go see her yourself. I know how you long for her trust so that you may be paired with her. So, Magu, no chill. Just calm down. Yes, he's a teenage boy. Calm down. So they drop all the food off. Magu uh, has food for Rue, and Rue's like, oh, porridge, didn't Ren make it? And Magu's like, don't be so sure. He's like, that's clearly a yes, but okay. Uh, Rue goes back to sleep after eating. Uh, Magu tries to leave her to rest, but Rue reaches out and grabs his tentacle, and she says uh, in her sleep, mommy, because she's a sick little girl. Uh, Rue, Magu ends up staying with her all night. Rue wakes up and there's some food that, of course, her friends have brought over because they wanted her to feel better. Um, and she's like, oh, wow, did did people come visit me? I didn't worry everyone, did I? And I was like, no, these dogs are in my honor. <laughs> Selfish asshole. She was sick. Let her have her presents from her friends. Um, and uh, also, when she realized that Magu took care of the housework, Rue was like, oh, you really are a god. I'm blessed to have you, Magu-chan. And, uh, <laughs> then she steps outside and sees all the laundry thrown everywhere. And she's like, okay, I guess I have to rewash all this stuff. And that's where the chapter ends. Right. So it's a very cutesy little chapter. Girl is sick. Got to take care of her. Mago cares for her in his own weird way. And we kind of see everyone reacting to her being sick. It's very cutesy. So shepherds. I imagine you don't have a whole lot to say about that. So I, the most I could say was that it was kind of a joke last week, but it was also very serious. So I was like, 
yes chapter would have been better with bs in it i don't i i like i feel like i'm really hammering that point but i was like i feel like it was a dumb move to introduce that dog and then not keep it as a permanent part of the story because what if literally everything is the same except magu's morphalactics ride into town on bs yes yes <laughs> better chapter like i was like i it was a cuter series with bs in it for that one chapter i don't i don't know what else to say all right chris well, let's talk about we yeah, never learn through some through some times with we never learn haven't we we uh we had that very wonderful 80s romantic comedy ending with uh, Yui Guy realizing he loved uh, Ruka and stopping her at the, at the station. We had a Seiki Joe <laughs> plot line that featured uh, Ogata falling in love with Yui <laughs> in the background. We had the better than that stuff focusing on Fumino and the stars and all that stuff. And then we had the very wonderful Asumi story that might have actually just been objectively the best of all four. So how are we th- starting things off in this final story arc with Kirisu falling in love with Yuiga? How's well, that going? Well, let's find out, Nick, as we talk about We Never Learned. Question 178 of Pizza Bet equals the Ice Queen, part one. And this is, as you said, the Kirisu route. So way back then, it was Kirisu grabbing Yuiga's hand during the fireworks festival, thinking... Ooh, once before, I don't know, something like this happened before. Remembering that time that canonically, Yuega traveled back in time using Karasu's boobs, and that also apparently happened. So, no, 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 that's... <laughs> it was when Yuega was a little kid, and Kirisu was in high school, and apparently the same thing happened. I don't know, Nick. I think we're gonna get some more time-traveling boobs. I mean, I'm not going to count it out. I'm just saying, Yuiga didn't go back in time and shrink. The reason he's smaller and shorter is because he was a little kid when this happened. I assumed it was because he's on his knees like we see in the first scene as well, where he's just fallen and getting up. And he's just like, he's he's not actually holding Kirisu's hand. He's like holding a baby doll arm. (laughs) I mean, I don't know... (laughs) Both are kind of gross because she basically grooms him in that moment to be like, we'll get married one day. (laughs) So I'm going to hope that they're both high schoolers. Chris, if this chapter reveals that the entire time Kirisu has been a psychopath (laughs) and she was just like, when Yuiga's like 10 years old, is looking down at him, this means we're going to get married one day. I will have way more respect for this plot line than I came out of this chapter with. So... (laughs) I just want it to be some fucking Twilight shit where she's like, she saw him at the festival at 10 years old. She placed her hand on him and she's like, I've imprinted my touch upon him. We will mate when you are older. <laughs> uh, so present day or rather several years after present day, Kirisu's back at school. She's just as elegant and as beautiful as ever. But. Yuega is there. He's the sensei at the school, thus confirming all the routes do take place in their own timelines because Yuega never goes off to be a teacher at the uh, the island Asumi works at. So somehow less ceremonious uh, a reveal than the one we had last time, even though this is the their teachers storyline. Yes. So. Uh, so he's a teacher at the school and he's pretty clumsy because he, he's got all, you know, he's, he's so scatterbrained and, and so nervous and everything like that. And he has has to work extra hard and the staff's like oh no is she is she you know you know being too strict on you is she giving you another scolding he's he's like i don't know i clean her house <laughs> like he should say that but he doesn't he kind of just like 
lets them basically brag to him about like, oh, really am for you getting to hang out with Kirisu Sensei all day. She's perfect. And, you know, we even see that she's helping him with his classwork and everything like that because he's very nervous. And then the only good moment of the chapter comes as we go to Uega's home and we see him there with his mother and his little younger siblings who are now in middle school. And we see that uh, Hazuki is, is, you know, being a musician. She's playing like a keyboard she's got. And... Uh, uh kazuki is is lifting weights you know he's he's like a big jock now it's just kind of nice to see that the two kids have like their own concrete identities it's very cool yeah they're 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 starting to diverge after just being two parts of a pair of a set that Mm -hmm. got to mistress together the entire time yep so it's very cute uh basically the whole point of this though is to be like hey Uega's home life is kind of cramped so he's going to look for his own place. But it's tough, you know, he doesn't have a ton of money and he, he needs to support his family, uh, which if that's the case, Tichi was a bad profession to get into, man. I'm sorry, I don't know how to tell you this. Yeah. Uh, but he's, you know, he meets, what's her name? I don't, she probably has Miss Amada. She's shown up like seven times throughout the series yep. just to have different jobs. So that's kind of the joke. She's Miss she's, Plot Device. Yeah. <laughs> Miss, someone needs Not to be... Plot Device. Miss, uh creates a bizarre situation so the fan service can happen. Yeah. Like that's been her role. Every appearance she's made, she was there for like the spa thing where he had to like look after the baths. There was, she was there for the laundry store thing where he was the mascot. Yeah. Every time he's had some sort of job that's landed him in a situation that's led to sexy shenanigans. It's been her fault. And guess what happens as soon as we get to the next page? <laughs> a sexy shenanigan happens. Yeah. So, so Uega basically gets an apartment from her where she's like, yeah, I got a place for you. He's like, oh, wow, this place is great. This is the beginning of my new life. A, a third floor corner room. Really, one of, a t- one of a kind, you know. And she says, hey, your friend rate is going to be 40,000 yen, which is very good, I assume. I don't know Japanese uh, economy super well. dollars well, no, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what so. how much the average cost of uh, rent would be in Japan. But I know from my personal experience that if uh, rent for an apartment was 400 a month, that'd be pretty damn sweet, homie. Um, so he's like, ah, oh, this is great. Time to enjoy my brand new life as I open up the windows and see out into the world. And there's Kirisu's butt. It's just but right there, because Kirisu Nick has the apartment next to him where their windows look out at one another. And knowing this, I presume she still decided to change butt thrusted out towards the window with her blinds open. Cause Yeah, she says that she thought that it was fine because uh she thought it was vacant. But like, what if the apartment next to him wasn't vacant like they could probably still look over and see her just mooning the world and also they're at a corner so someone could see through the alley potentially and see her like don't thrust your butt at a window when you're changing i don't care what window it is who changes like that anyway who like i i have to assume that if you're changing out of a like I, i guess a pencil skirt or whatever you don't thrust your butt towards the window to do it. I have to assume there's a more decent way of doing it unless you were doing it to be like lewd or something, you know? 
She could have sat down and taken it yeah, off. Yeah, I was like, it feels like there are better ways to take off a skirt than that. I don't know for certain, but I would presume. Uh, by the way, she does have, of course, the vacuum butt, and uh, I guess her skirt is so thin that you can see her panty line through it, because that's just how clothing works in this story. It's a Kirisu chapter, everybody. It's not, it's not the first time that it's happened to her specifically. So. Yeah. Uh, so basically, they're just like, yep, I also got this apartment because my friend told me about this, Miss Amada. She's my friend. We went to high school together. Uh, and they're like, well, is this awkward then? Like, uh, you know, yes. two <laughs> people who work together having apartments directly next to each other like this. And she's like, no, well, it wouldn't if I didn't have a very particular way that I change every day and compulsor <laughs> compulsively have to change in front of the window. And also the suggestion that I may have imprinted upon you at a young age at some point. Who knows? Anyways, what are you saying? <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing until I use the secret word. <laughs> you will know nothing. But if See, I this is why the psychopath storyline <laughs> makes more sense is because she actually knew that he would be in that apartment. So she was tr she's actually been bending over in that stance all day waiting for him to look out his window so that she can implant in his mind this sexual suggestion, which takes root immediately because like two pages later, he's thinking like, oh, what if she just like wears sexy negligees everywhere? Like, yeah. so I, I think what I want, because now I'm remembering. The, the reason why her changing in front of the window bothers me so much is, do you ever go to uh, the the subreddit today, I fucked up? No. Okay. Well, generally, it's supposed to be like, dear Reddit, today I fucked up by uh, forgetting to take out the laundry. And then they'll tell a story about how because they forgot to t take out the laundry, their house caught fire and they lost like $10 million. It's always something like that. But recently... Clearly, dudes have been going to it, creating fake today. I fucked up stories where it's like today I fucked up by walking naked in front of my window with my gigantic bouncing bosoms bouncing everywhere. Nick, why are what's happening? All right, <laughs> I had to adjust something. Oh god, I thought it was gonna be Just like that. Wearing pants. <laughs> I thought this was gonna be a scenario like that fucking that journalist dude. I was like, no, Nick, not now. Wearing pants, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it this feels like a bad today. I fucked up story. Like today, I fucked up by taking my skirt off. That this is the first time in the history of the podcast. I look below my waist, guys. Look, I'm wearing pants. <laughs> when I always just do it like just in case. So. Uh. So. Anyway, yeah, Yuega is like, oh no, I, she basically is like, it's fine, we're both adults, let's just be conscientious not to disturb each other's space, and he's like, oh man, but I still feel weird, I mean, she's just on the other side, she can be wearing sexy negligee, oh, what am I thinking, that's very rude, I shouldn't think about that, besides, who cares, you know, the fact that my supervisor is my next door neighbor could be considered a stroke of luck, you know, I'll just organize things a bit, and then get right down to prepping tomorrow's tests, and then... He immediately gets a knock on his door, and it's Karasu, and she's like, it's an emergency, there are insects there, and her house is a mess. So, it's the same story as before, basically. Mm -hmm. They have to go. The last page has truly a defying amount of vacuum butt. as you're almost like, I don't understand. She almost looks like she's wearing like a superhero costume. <laughs> It looks as though her butt cheeks don't actually begin until below the hemline of her jacket. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how sealed shut 
her pants are. And you mentioned the panty line vacuum seal. It shows up with these tracksuit pants. Like every pant you can see. Basically, it's yeah. ridiculous. So, yeah. Uh, what wacky shenanigans and you guys gonna help out this very proper teacher clean up i did appreciate at least that there are like consequences to her being a fucking pig like it, it wasn't a it was it remained a problem so now she's got like a pest problem because they're attracted to the fucking trash in her apartment but oh god this was this... It, it it's it was astonishing to me because I really, after Asumi's storyline, I firmly was like, we never learned is great. Like, remember how, like, at the end of the whole, like, quote unquote, Aruka arc, we were just like, what a great series. What a fucking fantastic ending and everything. And then we very much forgot about it once the Ogami arc started, or God arc rather, and you're like, oh, this isn't as great. Fumino kind of brought it back a little bit, not a ton, it was okay. And then, like, Asumi was like, ah, oh, man, what a great series. So, so much fun. Really left you with good thoughts. Then this fucking chapter, I'm like, oh, God, I forgot how fucking stupidly horny and dumb it could be, too. And it really, like, every part of me is like, this is going to be exactly as bad as we thought it was going to be, wasn't it? That we're going to end on this route. Oh, man, I hated it. Just an awful chapter. What we need, Chris, is the pattern that seems to be unfolding is uh, chapter uh, the f- stories one and four were great. They were amazing. Stories two and five thus far appear to be garbage. Story three appears to be OK. So what we need is we need to keep on doing these potential endings until we end on a multiple three plus one. Okay. So we can go. Let's we can go and get like, I don't know. Yuiga and Seikijo or something like that. Yeah, something that doesn't uh, or, make sense. You know, uh, Yuiga and his sister. You know what, Chris? You know what, Chris? You know what? We'll do Yuiga and... The Thorn Club? Yes. Or uh, Uruka's Swimming Club members mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the Maid Cafe girls. Yes. I I have reservations about going for the option that people have quote unquote jokingly suggested, which is that one girl that had a crush on him and the Asumi's plot line. Uh, And I also don't want to go down the route of, you know, his sister, but we'll do something for that. And then (laughs) ending seven will be about Yuiga helping Ogata and Seikijo realize their feelings for each other. So it won't be a Uiga ending. Yes. It'll be the pizza bed ending. Yes. And that'll be the last thing that We Never Learn goes out on. And it'll be ending seven of five, the best one. So. <laughs> seven of five, pizza bed ending. Oh, man. Yes. You can imagine it. Pizza bed's going to be in the title, but there's still an X. So it'll be like chapter. <laughs> equals a pizza bed. Yeah. It's like chapter 210 of pizza bed equals a pizza bed's morning tomorrow or something. Whatever fucking title they give it. <laughs> People are suggesting Kirisu's sister, and I don't know. I think that she might somehow be a worse option than Yuiga's sister. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have to expect she's going to show up some point during this ar- this route, and I'm already dreading True. that. So, The main positive thing I have to say about this chapter is actually the cover page is very pretty. Yes. Uh, 
It's, you know, her like, you know, putting her hand against the sheet of ice while she's in her uh, figure skating outfit. It's very pretty. So. Okay. Dr. Stone. Z equals 170. Staring up at the same moon. Uh, So. Last time we got the uh, big goodbye between the two groups, Senku's group and, you know, what let's call it Usury, his group, because I think she's the most important character that they left over there. Um, Begin points out, wait a minute, that Stanley guy is just going to be chasing us everywhere with our aircraft carrier. Isn't that a really bad thing? And uh, Senku's like, yeah, I mean, that is true. We'll be evading him as we make up for our next destination. So, yeah, here we go. We cut over to the Perseus. Uh, they have hauled a whole bunch of fuel down the river in order to refuel it. Uh, Matsukaze all of a sudden collapses because, oh, right, he was grievously wounded during the battle before. Um, however, as Yuzuriha and Manami rush over to him, he whispers something to them. And he's like, oh, he's really hurt. Yeah, he can't keep walking. And Homura just like, dying. Too far to carry. So the muscly woman carries him into uh, the med bay. And they're like, yeah, we'll just stick him in here. And they're like, all right, sure. Uh, Stanley's like, if he dies, he dies. You know, toss him overboard if he dies. So whatever. Matsukasi immediately is left unguarded mm-hmm. because that's how it works. Stanley didn't explicitly tell everyone to guard him. So they're all idiots, I guess. Uh, so he makes his way sneaking around the place until he finds Ginro. And he was like, I hid, but I didn't know everyone was gone. Matsukasi's like, yes, I knew that you planned to infiltrate and spy on them to learn valuable information. And Ginro's like, yeah. That's what I did. I should have known you would guess my intricate plan. So Matsukai's like, then I allow your bodyguard to, but he collapses again and this time for real. So Genro's like, oh no, what do I do? And then there's a crunch and a vroom as the Perseus powers up and starts going down the river. Uh, as they're going to get, try and get Zeno back, we get just a whole page dedicated to Zeno and Stanley. It's cuz. Yep. Oh, it's there. Maybe the maybe the manuscript was one page short, and so Boichi was just like, "I got you, fam." <laughs> got to fill it out. <laughs> so, uh, a random do- goon mentions to Stanley, "Like, do we know where those guys are headed?" Uh, and at that moment, um, uh, someone, I don't know notices that uh, uh, Matsukaze is missing from the med bay. So Stan's like, why don't we ask the enemy? We've got that uh, samurai Matsukaze board. Uh, and he had collapsed and Ginro is not a very strong boy. So they find him quickly, tie him up and they're like, all right, let's interrogate him. And so they communicate very effectively via a globe of the earth, which Matsukaze probably doesn't recognize. Uh, and a picture of Senku in a boat with an arrow pointing to it and a question mark and just where, which writing out where I'm not sure why that would help. But Matsukaze, of course, is defiant. So Stanley takes out a freaking gun. And he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. 
Matsukaze is thinking to himself, do not show yourself, Lord Ginro. What happens to me now is of no consequence. And Ginro is thinking to himself, you know, typical little selfish-minded Ginro. Ginro, you're the worst. Right, my job's to stay hidden. That's the smart decision. You know, he'll get hurt while I stay safe. We're just doing our jobs. But he breaks immediately because Ginro's, Ginro's heart is a little bit bigger than that. And so he comes out of his hiding spot and immediately shouts out South America uh, so that he can save Matsukaze's life. He apologizes to everyone for giving this away. And so everyone sets off to South America now. The Perseus in pursuit of the little boat that uh, Senku and crew are riding on. And, and uh, so they're like, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and Zeno says, you know, you're assuming that there's even anything left after thousands of years have passed. Tell me, Senku, do you believe it belongs to the one on the moon? Very cool two page spread of him kicking back, looking very casual for someone tied up as the moon looms up behind him. And uh, everyone's kind of shocked that, oh, yeah, he knows this. And so the surprise in their faces tells him that that's you know, everything he needs to know. They're like, oh, yeah, you you figured it out. OK. Um, but Senku's not too surprised uh, after a moment because like, yeah, this guy's got all this science technology. Of course, he figured out a way to triangulate the signals. And Zeno says the top two scientists of the world are united. If we were to combine our intellects, perhaps we could acquire the hypertech weapon all for ourselves. The two of us will surely crack the secrets behind the Petra beam and the moon. And Senku grins, pulls up a chair and says, yeah, we got time now. Let's you and me mentor and mentee exchange everything we know. And Zeno's like catchphrase. And, uh, they're sitting down to have a chat and share information. So presumably next chapter, we'll probably actually have some interesting stuff come to light. So there's a segment, uh, a very vocal segment of our audience that in the discord has kind of just like expressed displeasure with Dr. Stone as of recently, probably like the last like month, month and a half. But a lot of people saying like, I'm kind of losing interest in Dr. Stone or I'm just not reading it anymore. And for a while I've been like, I can kind of get it, but I, I've been into it. This is the chapter though. I was like, yeah, no, I I get it now completely. This chapter was really underwhelming for me for some reason. I I, mean, I should say for some reason. I know the reason. Half the chapter was spent with Mizukage and Ginro, which was just not interesting. I, I don't care how they figure out that Senku ship is headed to South America. It, they could have fucking seen it in a goddamn fucking, I don't know, like a, like a TikTok video. I don't care. Like, I, it could have been anything. It, I didn't need half a chapter spent doing that. And then the other half is just kind of a bit more, it almost just feels like ship teasing between Senku and, and Dr. Zeno at times. Uh, and at other points, it just plays up their relationship. But like uh, the most interesting parts of that are kind of in the past. Like I, I like this, this, the end of this chapter really didn't give me anything. I was like, they're going to trade information. I was like, I don't know. Mm. Does Senku need information? Like, I know there's stuff he doesn't know when I know Dr. Zeno is a big genius, but it never has felt like there's been a missing piece of information for Senku that if he had a smarter person with him, he could figure out or anything like that. It just, I don't know. It, I'm really at this point where I'm just like, I don't know. Let's get to the fucking Naga game. I've, I've had enough of the fucking, <laughs> preliminary tournament or whatever all right <laughs> who cares about the bondo spiders anyway? exactly it's like this is taking too long all right they only have one good player anyway 
Yeah, it's the guy who's Ice Shield 21. No, no, no it's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> he he's their kicker. <laughs> he was impersonating someone who was Ice Shield 21. <laughs> well, but I have that ability to be all like flexible. So, yeah, don't care. I don't care. Was, uh, I block real good. Yeah, but you but know. Nick, it was Taki's big match <laughs> for one play. <laughs> <laughs> And also, the Devil Bats wear their away uniforms, which just aren't nearly as good. Yeah, as they're reference. not. <laughs> not at all. Um, I am always kind of positive about Doctor Stone in general, but I definitely understand where you and everyone else are coming from because there's some weird stuff in this chapter. Um, I I was going to say until I kind of realized while I was processing it, uh, like, oh, this is why I played out. Because um, I was like, why did we have the whole thing where Matsukaze fakes being injured and then sneaks around and then collapses after he finds Ginro. Couldn't they have just like tried to interrogate them? And that's when Ginro gives himself up or something like that. But then it's like, Oh no, this was all an excuse to get Ginro and Matsukaze left on the Perseus when everyone else is being left behind in America. Uh, so that's why you have to have all this stuff, but uh. you could have, you could have done stuff to justify this more easily. And done so in a way that would have been more compelling and dramatic for the characters involved, because it seems just kind of like an excuse for why they find stuff out when honestly, like there are means of tracking someone when they're the only other operating boat in the world. You'd think that they would have the means for even if Zeno's not with them. They've got smart people in their group. Stanley's this military expert. They could have done something. And it all really just seems to come down to Matsukaze and, Ginzer- and Ginro are on the Perseus, which don't care a whole lot about that. Um, there's a couple of cool shots here and there, but uh, mostly I am actually just kind of looking forward to, okay, well, hey, maybe we'll have some big reveal that'll be really cool that'll happen in the next chapter. Yeah. I will say that this arc as a whole, the ending was very sudden. Uh, so yes. I can see why people would have lost interest because... It's not just a bad chapter or a string of bad chapters. It's the ending to an arc mm-hmm. was kind of like, huh? We haven't gotten that big like part thing or whatever, like part four or whatever we're supposed to be on. So I guess there's that. And I'll be honest, this chapter probably could have been better. It just feels unfinished. Like I, I remember getting the last page and being like, oh, is that it? So maybe it's just something that they, they need more time or spend less time on the Mizukagi stuff. God, the fucking idea that he's going to be like of all the characters from fucking Corn City they brought back with them. It's fucking Mizukage. Holy <laughs> shit. You, you've, you've jumped series to hate on this guy. Yeah. You're talking about <laughs> Whatever. All right. All right let's, let's talk about Mashal. Let's talk about Mashal, Nick. Magic and Muscles, Chapter 35, Mash Burn Dead and the Victory Celebration. So... <laughs> I don't know why. There's a, there's a criticism of Mashal that's been going around on the Discord server about how it kind of repeats certain plot points. Um, and there's one that springs to mind for this chapter, which yes. is that... <laughs> I don't know why at the moment we decide, well, we've beaten Lord Abel's ass for four chapters. Now let's give him somewhat of redemption arc where he talks about his kind generous mother who was killed by others and she believed in the goodness of humanity but now that she's gone he's abel's turned evil and he's also fine like he took a fucking pile driver but he kind of is up again so 
he's good now. Um, and Lord Abel explains like, yeah, you know, I think they don't need our pity. The dregs of society are there for a reason. Uh, so that's why I sought out others like Abyss, people dissatisfied with the world, blah, 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 blah. He basically is just like, you won't change my mind. And Mash is like, oh, well, it's good, though, that you're not like a super asshole, though. So I appreciate that. Can you tell me where Lemon is now? And he's like, all right, fine. I'll release the puppet students. I just smash be like, cool. Oh, but anyway, I guess you're not so much of a bad guy. And that's enough. Abel does his mass bat or, or sorry, Marioness liberation and revise all the students and we do get a cute scene where it's so weird <laughs> mash lemon and finn all just stand there and go hip hip hooray coin and they flip coins around and mash just coins, dances. coins 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 <laughs> mash just dances as finn's like hero hero and, and lemon's like husband husband and then they all hug him they were so scared and there's a bunch of so like mash is just like it's cool. It's like a fucking 90s commercial or something like that. And they're all like, yeah, they just start dancing around. And then Lemon has like a. It's almost like if they're putting on a really low budget cartoon. Yeah. And then this is the part where they're like, the evil was defeated. And then they just have like freeze frames of their celebration instead of instead of like actually animating it. Because, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lemon has a small moment where she wants to thank him for everything he's done, and Mash is just like, you're safe. And then she punches him in the face. and <laughs> Because he complimented her. Yeah. He was, or he was, he expressed emotion for her, so she's immediately like, oh, stop trying to, stop trying to woo me! <laughs> yeah, and he just goes, why? Then Dot shows up, <laughs> and he's like, me too, I worked hard too. But his face has, like, been punched and concaved in, so everyone's like, Oh, right, Dot, you're here. And then they all celebrate, but Dot's face is still smashed in a concave. <laughs> that got like a real good laugh out of me. <laughs> and then everyone's like, where's Lance? And then this is the moment where the chapter takes quite a twist. So Lance is walking away, and Rain stops and is like, stop. You don't belong at this school. Lance is like, what are you suggesting? And Lance, or Rain, throws a sword at him, and it's blocked. He's like, he countered my magic. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, how did, how did you find me out? I'm like, well, guilty until proven innocent is more expedient. Expedient. He's rather. been playing too much Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. If I murder you, then you're not well, the you killer. To confirm if you are the imposter, and if you're not, then I'll just vote for the other one. It's fine. <laughs> So, uh, the person impersonating Lance turns their face, and it's someone else, someone with double-line magic, and it turns out, dun-dun-dun, it's Innocent Zero, which is still a dumb name. And, uh, oh no, Innocent Zero, I guess, is the organization, sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure this character has a very normal name. I'm sure. Chadwick Doberschmoozle. Uh, so Rain's, you know, doing his whole thing. Like, yeah, you guys are engaged. You're basically the black market of magic organizations or something like that. So everyone's like, what are you guys doing here? Tell me or resist or I'll kill you. And the person's like, oh, we're searching. And they have, you know, like a long kind of like earring with feathers on it. But more interestingly, they have the thorn crown of Jesus on their head. 
And so, it looks like they're wearing some sort of priest robes as well. Yeah, so, so uh, a very evocative outfit. Uh, and he's, you know, Rain's like, what are you searching for? Oh, something very important. And it's strange. Right now, it should be in the school. We had Abel searching for it, but he sucked. So he just went on his puppet plot instead, basically. <laughs> He got distracted because he's a teenager, basically. <laughs> he was too busy writing his angsty poetry. Uh, Rain's like, that I want that that doesn't work. You gotta tell me more. And person's just like, like if you want to ask something personal, we gotta know each other. We gotta be more than friends, you know? And he's ah, you know what? Now's not the time for this. I have to go kill Abel for failing, so I have to go. Uh, Rain wants to go after him, but a giant knife lands in front of him, and then a person shows up. The cannibalist Jean-Pierre, who fights with a fork and knife, is preparing to fight Rain as this person flies off to go kill Abel. But if he goes to kill Abel, he's going to he's gonna run into Mash and the gang, who, by the way, are all still celebrating. Dot's face is still pounded in. <laughs> um, all the stuff between Mash and his friends, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm very confused about Lance, as you mentioned, like as some people mentioned, like when the hell did Lance get replaced? Has he just always been this guy? I'm thinking not. I would I assume think. it would be weird to have given him the whole sister storyline yeah. and everything like that to make him always a bad guy. And I think that this guy is being too evil and this is happening too early for it to be a matter of like, oh, no, Lance was always this person in disguise. So I think it's just a matter of like. I mean, they got separated very early on in this whole thing. It would have been incredibly easy to just like he disables Lance and and disguise himself as him, or they just can't find the real Lance. And this guy was, you know, walking around in disguise as a, as cover after you kind of affirmed the situation or whatever. So the, a million different ways you could have it without just Lance has always been an imposter, basically. Um, so the um. Is cannibalist even a word? That's a good point, actually. I was like, just cannibal. I was going to say, I was like, when I said, I was like, that sounds a little weird. And I just kept staring. I was like, cannibalist. What? Maybe, maybe he's like a cannibalist in the sense of like humanists. So he like fights for cannibal rights. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm a serial killer, but I'm not a cannibal. I'm a cannibal list. I feed my kills to cannibals uh, in order to feed the hungry <laughs> i'm supporting perhaps the most persecuted minority group of all time cannibals yes. someone's like uh i don't know if that's accurate uh also he introduced himself as a serial killer and cannibalist and i can't tell if he actually has magic lines anywhere on his face so that could be interesting. I mean, I don't know how a giant knife would have appeared if he didn't have magic powers, but that'd be interesting if, you know, there were an opponent that, you know, that he this guy to face that didn't have yeah. magic powers of any sort. He that just fucking eats people. So I did not notice. Thirdly, that. this guy is clearly just a member of Asahi's underworld gang yes. from Food Wars. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. As I said, like every chapter this week was kind of underwhelming. This one wasn't bad. As you said, I did laugh with all the hip hip hooray stuff and just how fucking funny it is that they're still doing it as Doubt's face has been crumpled in and like it's still that way at the end of the chapter. (laughs) They've been doing it for minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely was not a fan of Lord Abel getting like a weird 
like human moment to be like and he's not all a bad guy too and then like the reveal about lance like i'm also not ec- rain's kind of cool but i'm not excited enough to see him have a fight so if that's what next chapter is it's gonna be like okay i'll go along with it but yeah i don't know i, I should note it, it felt like this was a jump thing in general because even the series outside of the recap from jump were all pretty mediocre to bad this week even the ones i really generally like like phantom seer and undead unlock and everything like that me and roboco i was like this is a bad me and roboco chapter so you know i don't know it was just a bad week or something like that while we ha- while we were talking about other jump series outside of the recap uh i've started watching jujutsu kaisen since the anime is uh, started airing a few weeks ago um i like it way more this time okay. so Let's call that another series Nick was wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, all right? We we never know until it well, but gets even up. the beginning of the series was way better to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, something about the way it was presented, I, he just seems more likable. I don't know. So It sometimes happens to where cuz there's somewhat of a stigma I think to new series where maybe we're critical we don't need to be because so often new series are not good you know a lot of time it's like newcomers who maybe aren't very skilled or it's veterans who have failed before to catch on with other Mm. series so it's 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 more frequent to find series when you read them all you're like ah this wasn't very good so it almost kind of like i'm never excited generally when they announce new series because i'm never like oh boy three great new series potentially could be coming to jump it's like ah fuck am i gonna have to read like three fucking shitty exorcist battle manga again or something like that obviously there are exceptions the name attached can change things and obviously sometimes you're like no this is just great and i'm gonna go along with it but i i find that to be somewhat of a case that most times when i read it as a jump start i like it less than if i read it separately later on or something like that i was having to explain to nicole the other day just how big the proportion of exorcist series actually is and i'm like yeah it's like half of them these days it's ridiculous so and yeah when that happens i'm immediately put off and i i can't remember because i haven't like listened back to the episode from like two years ago when jujitsu kaisen started but i'm pretty sure that was one of my main objections was just like it's just another fucking devil hunter series and i don't care about this asshole Mm. so i think i've just kind of learned more to just like okay whatever i'm not really happy about the idea but i'll give it a chance now so Anyway, let's talk about the Devil Hunter one where the girls get their tits out. In the, <laughs> <laughs> the choices I have made. Like. Can you guys add Undead Unluck to the recap? No, but we will talk about this series with uh, boobs a lot. <laughs> and you will like it just as much. So, chapter 17 of Ayakashi Triangle, The Enticing Boy. Last time Shiragane... That was my nickname in high school. I'll bet it was, buddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Chris, he's the looks of the the duo. Come on, guys. That's that's what we've always been saying. I'm the face, and also... The wild card. No, I don't. I don't I, you know, I'm not the brains. I could fully admit Nick is the brains, but I want to be the face and the wild card. <laughs> <laughs> so you really don't know what's going on. I'm like a hot fucking cat. <laughs> I'll fuck up anything. So it's like you know when you have to assign the five roles to different people. It's like, oh, he's the guns. He's the brawn. He's the brains. And 
he's the X Factor. And you're like, I want to also be that one too. <laughs> I want to be the hot one. <laughs> like, well, all right, Brad Pitt, I'm sorry, but he did call it first. <laughs> I hope you're ready to I hope you're ready to play the deep one. <laughs> right, no, the so. deep's the worst member of the seven. His storyline in season two is terrible. It's a reference to the boys. Oh, okay. Whatever. So um one person out there got it. <laughs> I'm sure more than one person out there has seen the boys and listens to our show. No, nope, nope. it's a small uh it's a small series. You probably never heard of it. It's on a thing called Amazon <laughs> Prime. Amazon Prime. You have to have Prime. Alright. So the enticing boy. I caught your triangle. Last time sure got a The Enticing one. Boy, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Just repeat <laughs> I'm fully aware that, that this kind of shit is why people watch our shows. So I'm kind of happy. Right exactly. Now. It's all about the imperfection of it. I don't even know if you can call this imperfection. <laughs> this is deliberate sabotage. <laughs> so this guy shows up at Matsuri and Suzu's school and he's super hot. And we basically get told like right away that this guy is the reason that the Econ have been showing up. The person that Shirogane was worried about showing up uh, and, and everyone's all the girls who look at him are like, who is this guy? What class do you think he's single? And so this guy right away is like, hey, I'm like Ibusaki, that one guy from Food Wars whose hair was <laughs> hit, hit his eyes all the time. <laughs> but he's like, do you know where Suzu Kanade is? So. We catch up with Suzu and uh, Matsuri after that. They kind of like go over the aftermath from the uh, last two chapter arc we got about how, you know, yeah, Matsuri's uh, stuff is all fixed up. And they actually kind of established, speaking of Amazon, that it was delivered by a drone, which why not? Sure. Um, also, Suzu has actually been told that uh, she's the reason that the ninja gear broke. Matsuri's like, it's fine. Uh, then, uh, Suzu's friends show up and they're like, hey, you're being summoned. And Matsuri has been and it's not about Suzu. However, it's Matsuri has been called down because some guys are asking for her number. They're like, you're cute. We want to get to know you. And Matsuri doesn't really know how to respond to this. He's just kind of taken aback. But then they're like, we want to make videos and turn you into a star. You'll be an Internet sensation, which and if they weren't high school students, I would think this is immediately going into gross territory. So I'm glad that they are in high school because then it's like, OK, it's it's a certain level of perverted weirdness, yes. though. That's still not tolerable, but is Good. not quite as predatory and as gross as if they were grown men doing it to high yes. schoolers. Nino Kuro shows up and he is all scary. And so he scares them off. Uh, and... Uh, Matsuri's like, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, this wouldn't have happened if the, this only happened because they don't know that I'm a guy. And Yukura's like, it's true. I can only talk to Kazumaki like this because I know he's a guy. But just from his appearance, I'm, no, I can't be tempted by those by those boobs. <laughs> he's so helpless. Like he's so he's so stupid. Anyway, they start having an Ayakashi uh, conversation about yeah, hey, Ikon showed up uh, at, at Kurogi's place. And Matsuri indicates, hey, this is kind of weird because 
Ikon come from negative human thoughts and they tend to gather in cities where a whole bunch of them can gather. We're out in the sticks. So how did this happen? And uh, so Nuker is like, yeah, well, it's a modern type of Ayakashi, so we don't have a lot of data on it. So they don't really know what's going on. Uh, and we get a bit more information about how econ work, which is that eventually they can grow into more powerful, malicious and more defined Ayakashi. So there you go. A bit of lore. Uh, Suzu and her friends are spying on the conversation from around the corner. And Lou observes that Neokuru is like a half shark, half human, a, ha- a shark humanoid. So, yeah, we're just kind of like told flat. I was like, yeah, his design is based on a shark's. So it's good to know. OK. Uh, then they're like, what if you? Oh, yeah, he would be a good match for Matsuri. And Suzu's like, no, <laughs> because she's thirsty. So. But uh, she, her friend is like, we never said that the four of us couldn't have boyfriends. If it's a match, we need to be supportive. It's like, yeah, but you're just shipping is what you're doing. <laughs> there's being supportive and then there's this. Hot boy shows up and is like, hey, Suzu, can I talk to you? And they're like, oh, OK, go ahead. They're immediately like, yeah, go. We're going to ship everyone off with each other and stuff. Uh, but the boy whispers something to, to Suzu, which gets her to go along with him. And Matsuri, of course, comes back right afterwards. Is like, where, where's Suzu? With a boy. He's hot. And Matsuri immediately rushes off. They're like, no, no, we mustn't get in the way. But Matsuri's like, immediately like, but she's all mine kind of thing. You know, I mean, it's, he's jealous. Like that's, it, he's not explicitly jealous, but he's jealous. So. Yeah, because it's things like, I gotta go, because they're you know they're like, oh, he's she's with the boy and he's hot. And he's like, I gotta go. He's like, why do I care? I guess I shouldn't really interfere. But he's hot. <laughs> like that's his motivation yeah. for running there. He, he's jealous. Like that's it. So, but we get the development that actually the reason why the boy managed to get Suzu's attention is because he can see Ayakashi. And he knew he knows that Suzuki sees them as well, but he doesn't have apparently any ability to actually help them. So he introduced himself. He's like, I'm Sosuke Hinojiki. Uh, and so I can see them. I, I, I and I'm kind of scared to get near them and I tend to avoid them. But, you know, this one, it looks like it's about to disappear. And so I actually felt like helping one, but I don't really know how to heal it. And then I saw you guys and I've seen you going to school and you've got this Ayakashi cat and you looked radiant, and I thought maybe you would be willing to help me. I thought of asking the silver-haired girl, but she looks kind of scary. So, <laughs> fair enough. But of course, Suzu has her new super awesome Ayakashi medium powers and stuff. So she's like, "Yeah, I can help him." Shiragani happens to come along at that moment, and so he spies on them. As Suzu's like, "I can control my Haku power and replenish his waning life with my life force." We get an upskirt shot. It happens. Uh, and oh, good! The little puffball Ayakashi is healed! Yay! And uh, Sosuke is like, "Oh, I didn't think an Ayakashi medium's power could really heal an Ayakashi's injuries." And Suzu's like, "Yeah, it's important." Wait, when did I tell you about me being an Ayakashi medium? And the guy opens his mouth and eats it. <laughs> Just oh, it's so fucking dope. So this entire chapter is worth it for this one moment of him just because <laughs> I really I, I I had a moment where I was like you know 
maybe it's just that the the artist is really skilled at drawing female characters because all the female characters like kind of have a lot of personality and interest in like their designs and i know shark boys kind of got it because he's got shark teeth and design but when this kid showed up i was like i don't there's nothing about his personality that's interesting mm-hmm. at all i was like this guy does not like when everyone's like he's so hot i was like i guess so I was like, ah, I'm not really super interested in this character design until he fucking picked up Karibo. It was just like, oh, and I was like, all right, I'm on board with you now, my dude. And of course, his appearance immediately changes. He looks he looks a lot more evil. Uh, one of his eyes is like perpetually hidden behind his hair. So he's Light Yagami again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, we've had a lot of Light Yagami references showing up with, you know, hot evil boys recently. But yeah, he's like, so this is the Haku you secrete, the life energy of an Ayakashi medium. You're the best. And so Shirogane is scared of this guy. Suzu is shocked that he's eaten a freaking, he ate a, an Ayakashi. And dark mist suddenly comes out from his body, starts to surround Suzu as he thinks to himself, you belong to me. And suddenly they're just whisked away. And the only trace of them is Suzu's phone as it falls to the ground before Shirogane can do anything. Matsuri and Nino Kuru show up afterwards, and Shirogane is like, his shape and presence was even more human-like than the last time we fought, so I didn't recognize him. Suzu was kidnapped by the highest form an Ayakashi evolved from an Ikon can take, the Jinyo, a humanoid Ayakashi. So Suzu's been taken, and uh, by a guy who freaking eats Ayakashi. Cool stuff. I actually ended up liking this chapter because the ending was very strong, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, freaking like as I said, I so I do get annoyed because of the weird rule that uh fucking at least the Apple iStore Store has that for some whatever reason, Chokugeki no Soma was fucking fine for the app, but this series yeah, really. wasn't. So I I couldn't read it. So my initial tweet did not include this in there. I can't say whether or not it's the the chapter of the week, but it was certainly an entertaining chapter that made me more like interest to see what happens next week, which is what pretty much all the other jump series didn't have me doing. So I was like, this one was pretty fun. Before we move on from Ayakashi triangle real quick, have we had any indication of what the triangle actually is? Uh, boobs, but vagina, I think. Okay. Good to establish that. <laughs> Moving on. to <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, and we, despite saying that, you know, there is like the slight upskirt shot mm-hmm. in this chapter. This one really otherwise does not have much in the way of fan service, which is really kind of weird. Even that shot, I'm like, that's kind of tasteful in a way, you All know, right. as painting shots go. <laughs> as far as this kind of series has demonstrated, and I think it just uh, it just comes down to Yabuki Sensei had the awareness of, okay, this is a series where I'm introducing this guy that Shirogana has been worried about. He's kind of a more serious foe, so not have as much of the goofiness as usual in order to reflect that. So, yep, I can appreciate that. All right, Nick, let's talk about Black Clover, page 268, Devil. So we get a repeat of the whole thing of just because somebody's a devil doesn't mean they're necessarily a bad guy. And the devil's like, but devils are. They're born in the underworld, and then from the time they die, there's a pecking order, and we're all beaten. I was like, yes, I. this is a, a, 
a thing I can get behind as I follow more D&D lore. Uh, there's the whole thing, like, devils pick on younger devils, and I was the weakest, so, uh, you know, a day didn't go by when I didn't bleed. And, you know, toying with humans was the biggest thrill any devil could get, so everybody wanted to go to the other world where humans was. And then one day, someone fucking yeeted me into the ceiling of the world. <laughs> and because I had no magic, I went straight through. <laughs> like the, it's, There's nothing more to it. Just one day, some demon's like, fuck you! <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's how he ended up in the human world. And everyone hated him because he was a demon-looking dude, and he sucked, and he was all torn up, so everybody would beat him up, and he would barely survive, and he's like, I just want to die. Uh, but then he was found by Lisita, who is the girl we saw last chapter. And she's like, oh, good, you're awake, you're at my house. This is my magic. As long as it lacks man, I could put things into things. And you're like, it's a weird way to, like open up talking to somebody like hi my name's ralph i can use fire magic and shoot it from the tips of my fingers like thank you i greatly appreciate this brief fucking baseball card explanation of you and your abilities <laughs> uh so she's like yep i brought you here also i found this clover grimoire the other day and i actually met a devil how crazy is that and it's she's just talking to herself basically <laughs> yeah which maybe makes somewhat of sense because it's sort of established a little bit later that she sucks magic away from people she's deadly you know she'll drain people's magic and their life force so she spends a lot of time alone so maybe similar to the way brooke is meant to be kind of annoying at the start because it's like yeah this person has spent 60 years alone. <laughs> I know. He was just charming for the first time. But, you know, maybe she talks to herself because she's very lonely. But that would also kind of create the idea that there was a bunch of character thought put into this character who was meant to just die and serve as a justification for somebody else to want revenge. So who knows? Uh, a snake shows up to try to bite her, and that's how she shows off that her power is like that. She's like, oh, wow, poison snake, as it falls to death in front of her feet. So... There's that. And she's just like, hey, you've got no magic, so you can't die. So why don't we hang out? Stay here and be my kid. And uh, the last week we joked about, like, you know, this girl being ass's mom and uh, is the devil sharing a bunch of details about their sex life and stuff. <laughs> it's wrong about uh, about uh, whose mom she was. So sorry for that. Uh, no well, more jokes about about that. So. Well, we're not a hundred percent sure about that. Uh, there's a couple things of evidence that suggest if she's not asked as mom, she at least is the one responsible for him being left at the nun place orphanage. And I also, guess. they're like her condition is very similar to Henry's. So there's that. So she also, I mean, she could have drained Asta's magic from him when he was a baby, but not killed him, and that's why he has no magic. There's, there's a lot of things. Um, so basically, we just get a montage that the two of them shared a great time together, and then spontaneously one day she gives her whole speech about like just because somebody's a devil doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad guy. Unprompted. By yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't know what caused her to say all this, but she does, and she says, "And being all alone on my own hurt, so you rescued me from that. So thanks, Liebe, or Lieb. I don't know if you pronounce the E or not." I'm pretty sure it's Lieb. Lieb. 
All right, well, don't go after me any more than that, guys, or else he's getting a stupid name like Nature Boy Ric Flair. It's just how it happens. I don't make the rules, but I do. Uh, suddenly, Leap starts being like, oh, it hurts. Ah! And then uh, Lucifero shows up. And Lucifero's like, oh, who who would have believed that a devil would be in the human world without making a contract? I'm glad I killed time by looking for him. And they're like, oh, no, what's happening? And Lucifero's like, what a find. I'll use him to search for a way to manifest my own body in the human world. But, uh, oh, God, what's her stupid name? I didn't bother learning it because she dies in this chapter. Lucita's like... No, this is my boy. What do you think you're doing? And he's like, insolent wench. And uh, she thinks back this time, I'm not letting go. So, again, kind of a clue that she's responsible for Asta in some way. Or at least she gave up some child at some point. She gets slammed through the chest with a big claw. And, you know, she says, no, he's not yours. And hugs him, and uh, you know, Lucifer's like, inconceivable, thwarted by a human, but I can interfere with a, a lowly devil from anywhere. I will return. So she hugs Lieb and is just like, you know what? I think of a, I know a way I can protect you from that guy. I'm going to seal your magic into this grimoire, and by the time you emerge, I'm sure you'll be big and strong. So live, live, my son. And then... She uses her magic to seal uh, Lieb inside of the, the five-leaf clover book and then dies on the ground, presumably. We don't know, but it seems as though that's the Probably. case. Well, because Lieb doesn't know because he was yeah. put in the book. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Lieb's just like, I'm angry. This is why I hate everybody. I'm going to kill them all. All the devils. Brrr. And I, it's there's no indication he told this story to Asta. So let's go like Grr. <laughs> And that's why I hate this. <laughs> this is like I thought you fell asleep. <laughs> I do that sometimes. <laughs> uh so I know a lot of people really like this chapter. So Black Clover did a Black Clover, Chris. Yes. Uh, it had a cool idea, uh, introduced a character that could have been pretty cool, uh, introduced something that, you know, if you put it down on paper, is like, all right, that's good character motivation. And then was like, OK, I'm going to go through this entire thing in 15 pages when I could have spent three weeks on it. And you would have felt a lot more if I had. Yes. Because I feel like this is a story that could have potentially been really heart wrenching and you know been sweet and then you would have actually really empathized with leaves loss and i did not feel that as i read through this i thought that lucida was a cool character i really liked the fact that you know she was like not my baby and she bamfed away a devil that was cool mm-hmm. but um that whole montage that we get on one page and then she's like just because you're a devil, you're not a bad guy. It's like that could have been an entire chapter. Yeah. I think there should have actually been a reason why she says that, as opposed to just shouting it out impromptu to explain why the previous chapter had the cliffhanger it did. Um, yeah, you said it. like I understand why people like it. I, I mentioned on Twitter I made a reference to it being sort of a, a, a stuffed in the fridge moment, and it's not 
exactly technically that, I guess, by the way, pop culture generally uses the term. But it's pretty close to it where it really doesn't feel like this character has any real point of her own existence, at least right now, as she is this mysterious person that Leap had a, you know, mother-son relationship with just to die. Uh, And she just exists to basically be like, devil's killed my mom. I hate it. Obviously, if her story pops up again later and she is asked as mom and there's some more connection there, then, you know, maybe her role plays more into the story. I kind of hope that's not the case because it, you know, I kind of thought we were moving away from being a dollar store version of Naruto. And this Mm. feels like taking a lot of steps back in that direction. But regardless, I'm happy people dug it. But a devil that possesses a devil that possesses the main character who also had a connection to that character's mother in a way that directly led to their death. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's a part of me that's kind of hoping we don't go that way, but I don't know. I I don't like, I'm, I didn't think it was bad so much. I'm just disappointed because Mm -hmm. I, I think like a lot of people, I could have seen liking Lasita a lot more, you know, and it's just like I'm right now. I'm just like I don't know. She existed in a chapter and then died. I don't. Am I supposed to feel a ton for that character? I don't think that this is a bad chapter, but yeah, I can see the potential that was left uh, behind. Uh-huh. So, all right, let's finish things off with One Piece. My hopes and dreams. <laughs> Gotta give myself something to feel good about today. <laughs> Chapter 992, Remnants. We kick things off with a very nice two-page spread of all of the straw hats hanging out together. Jinbei is there. He's mm-hmm. he's over there. He's over there with he's, his beard. Yeah, he's and the kind of creepy-looking bear thing. Yeah, who's just kind of like, I will haunt your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I stand over you while you sleep and steal your soul. Like, what was that? Nothing. Here, have another drink. Luffy, I've got some uh, reservations about your latest animal companion. <laughs> oh, what, Barry? He is great. You are, <laughs> you will all live out the rest of your days inside of the hell spawn. <laughs> <laughs> I am the nightmare. Barry, you tell him. <laughs> I am the nightmare in the abyss that stares back at you as you dream and haunt. What was that? <laughs> oh, I got carrots for everybody. Like, oh, I love you, Barry McMurderstein. <laughs> All right, have some honey, Barry McBerry thing. <laughs> I will use the honey to season your bones. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. I always miss here the first thing you say every time. Uh, we get a bunch of side characters arguing about something that I didn't remember was established, so I didn't care about it. <laughs> I, yeah, like, even though I said One Piece is my chapter of the week in the tweet, One Piece was not perfect. I don't know what this conversation at the start is. I don't know why Big Mom's not fighting. Mar- I don't understand Marco's kind of a dangerous, like, he's a strong white beard general, but I was like, I don't know, they're having a pretty amicable conversation right now, and I didn't quite get it. Apparently, Marco and the Whitebeard Pirates at one point agreed to work together with Big Mom to get rid of Kaido, but apparently that's off because Big Mom is like, no, I'm in an alliance with Kaido now, so I get whatever. All right. Um, Then they talk about more stuff, and Marco is like, 
Oh, because because Big Mom, I guess that this is something that was agreed to by not her and the and the pirates, but her and Whitebeard. And so now she's like, I mean, why do you have to, you know, do this thing that Whitebeard wanted you to do? And Marco's like, hey, just because do you think that, you know, his voice is still binding us? No, no. Everyone who's left is free. So they're just kind of doing this because they want to. It's like, all right, but this is the thing that I didn't know about until just now or I didn't remember because I didn't care about it. So whatever. Something that is more important to me is the carrot is rushing off by herself and I'm worried for her. So uh, Luffy runs off on his own as well. Then we get a conversation between. So we've seen. OK, OK, yo. So this is. um maria black maria we've it's it, it's who black maria okay we've seen her before recently yes, she, she's a member of the flying six the what the flat the toby ropo she so is the, the, yes <laughs> there's six <laughs> members of the group one of them is defected there's five left page one ulti sasaki who's who and black maria right she was the big woman in yeah. the giant she's she's the giant woman oh. yep She's hanging out with a bunch of girls and she has a, oh God, Shamisen. And they're like, oh, will you, will you, will you t- t- play as a song, please? And she's like, all right, sure. And she basically introduces it by saying, you know, on a snowy night, two who wish to be united but could never be together at last will meet beneath the light of the moon. And she starts strumming the Shamisen as she says, their passions run high. And we get the bang, 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 bang of the of the shamisen like in sound effects over the battle between Kaido and the and the and and the and the and Odin's forces, and it's like, all right, this is I, I music in manga never works, but I don't care. This is awesome. <laughs> He's providing <laughs> the backdrop music for a samurai clash. It's great. Yes. It's spread as as the uh, oh god the crimson scabbards the red scabbards Ayakashi Akazai nine Akazai nine yeah that's I, the other one. as as they're rushing towards uh, Kaido uh, the ground is breaking beneath their feet as they're clashing against him and Kaido is roaring lightning is coming out of his fucking mouth as he roars at them they're all using their weapons uh, and eventually. Uh, Cat Viper slashes at him with his claws and kind of knocks Kaido's head up. And uh, I believe that that's I can't tell who that is. Fuck it. The one, that's uh, yeah, that's Kawamatsu. He slashes with both his swords uh, and it doesn't appear to do much, but it does slice him. We get the big old slice sound effect. And so everyone who's witnessing the battle is like, oh, my God, their attacks are actually hurting Kaido. Although he does immediately knock fucking fucking Kamatsu away. Dogstorm stabs his false leg into uh, into Kaido's scales. Uh, everyone's using other, all their various attacks. Uh, and Kaido is just a bit like, I mean, these attacks don't bear resemblance to Odin's blades. So why can they cut me? As he just launches a freaking huge burst weapon at them, but Raizo uses some nin, uh, a ninpo to just wrap it all up, and he says, "My scrolls can wrap around anything in existence." And now I return it to you. As he wraps the same scroll around Kaido, and it all blasts out around him. Uh, 
and then we get a very brief flashback as from Kinemon's perspective as Odin was like, hey, guys, come on, you know, I'll teach you. And they're like, no, we all have our own styles of fighting. Well, but Odin two sword style is the greatest there is. Why won't they learn? <laughs> being a little kid complaining to his wife and their children about why his friends don't want to learn his awesome sword style. <laughs> and uh, to- Toki says, well, because they would have fought. There would have been this big fight over who was your foremost disciple. And they love you so much that they would have killed each other. So they avoided that. Uh but now in the present, Kaido is looking down on all of them as they all adopt a two-sword style stance in a big line. And Kaido's like, this is just a cheap invitation. And <laughs> we get over again to Odin trying to teach them the freaking two-swords. I was like, here's the thing about it. No, listen, the guys, you guys, my two-sword style is really cool. <laughs> Everyone's gritting their teeth in the present as they all work together and unleash Paradise Totsuka, this huge two slash, double slash that leaves a big old X mark in Kaido scales. So the fight with Kaido was awesome in this chapter, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, so. that's that's why I was like, One Piece was probably my chapter of the week, just because this was a really cool part. I do like the idea. Nobody learned two sword style formally because they all didn't want to compete with each other over who would be odin's best student they all loved him so much they didn't want to do it but they all secretly learned it to some extent here and show it off um i i I do like that it's a very cool visual i love the 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 moment of like an x-shaped scar across the chest you know on kaido just this i have to remember i can't remember if the scar odin left him was the same one but i mean it's, it's definitely, the same one you can actually yeah. see the scar in that shot yeah. and they're like freshening it so, so. i i do love that visual and it, it's 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 a very cool moment i do like the shot of seeing it from behind and seeing you know four of the members of the nine there it is a moment where i was like What's Okiko do? Like, because it does make sense why some of them aren't doing it. Izu uses mm-hmm. a gun, or Izo. Yeah. Uh, Cat Viper doesn't have a second hand. Ryazo's a ninja, and Kawamatsu got knocked away. But I was like, what's Okiko doing right now? Uh, good point. Yeah, cool chapter. Um, having gone over all the chapters so far, the complaints I have for this one are probably the smallest, and also I had the biggest positive reaction. So, yeah. I think it's probably going to be my chapter of the week, too. So, hmm. yeah, I, I, I like this one. Yeah. Week was not a v- devoid of other good chapters, but this one was the one I was like, all right, yeah, got pumped. So, yeah, it's not. I, I should be very clear that this wasn't like a holy shit moment chapter either, because I think if we'd had one of those, I might have ended up being more positive about the week. This is a good chapter. It's mm. not amazing, but I, I did definitely enjoy it. Big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Yeah. That is going to That was gonna also my name gonna... when I was in high school. <laughs> what a weird name to have in high school. It's like, he's the big fish in a small pond. He's kind of great because he's in high school. So yeah. We won't take as much of him once we're out in the big world. LaShawn McCoy used to call me that. He was like, yo, you big fish in a small pond. And I was like, hello, young chap, even though he was older than me. But I made him call me senpai. <laughs> oh, man. Um, 
that's gonna do it for this week of weekly manga recap we've already both declared our our favorite series but what was your mvp do you think uh i'm trying to think here Mm. uh go ahead in the meantime i need to think it through real quick uh i'm kind of going over this as well real uh, real quick i think that why is there a vote for danny devito and Chainsaw Man. Was Danny DeVito in Chainsaw Man and I missed it? There might have been someone in the crowd. Hang on. I've got that tab still open. Uh, uh, let's see. Does anyone have a reference for what page that would be if he does show it's up? Just, it's just one vote in the thing for because I was trying to scroll through to see. Oh, my God. So in the, I do see what people are re- referencing. So it's on page eight. So after the news report, there's the crowd of people. There's the woman uh, with the microphone. The guy with his arm around her shoulders kind of does look a little bit like him. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> a little bit, I guess. It's kind of, mean. it's like a giant version of Danny DeVito as well. Yes, but because he's uh, way too tall. Yeah. But. Uh. All right. So <laughs> with that out of the way. Um, I guess I will give it to, we don't know the character's name yet, but the, the, the eccentric boy or whatever his name is from Sosuke, Sosuke from Ayakashi Triangle. Yeah, that's going to be mine as well. I, it may, I was thinking about it, but yeah, there was no character that had a moment that made me go, oh fuck, like he did. So going to do that. All right. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Magu-chan, God of Destruction as their chapter of the week. And Lasita for Black Clover as their character of the week. So, All right. There you go. Okay, that is going to do it then for Weekly Manga Recap, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the live recording. We do it on twitch.tv slash Wednesdays around 7.30 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter to verify exactly when we're going to start the show. At Demora Podcast, at RoloT, and at Nick F. Time. And also, we send a notification on the Discord server, though sometimes it takes a little while to actually kick in. Mm-hmm. You can check out our past episodes on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com and everywhere that gets the feed, iTunes and places like that. You can, speaking of the Discord server, it's a great place to just, you know, chat with people about the series that we're going to recap, chat about the series that we're taking as a recommendation and all sorts of other stuff. We use it to, uh, there's a group that has been weeding weekly for the on Saturdays for the past couple of weeks to play Among Us. Uh, all sorts of stuff happens on there, and you yep. can use that to find the. We're the Google second. Doc. They're the second biggest among us uh, community right now. I believe AOC might have surpassed us. Tiny bit, a little, bit. little bit, Just a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> you know, congratulations. It was well fought. Very yeah, uh, you know what, AOC it was a good fight. I think you may have edged us out a little bit. We're coming back for that title. We're coming. So, <laughs> and then we know you got nothing better to do. Yeah, exactly. I, I could have had, we could have had Pokemane in our games too. Is that how you say it? Pokemane? Pokemane? I don't know. I don't know who it is. I see your name a lot though. So, uh, thank you to NinjaX3i for maintaining the Google Doc that ma- that keeps record of everything that we talk about on the show, including recommendations that people are send in for us. Uh, check that out to see if there are people suggesting a series that you want us to read, and you can chime in on, on that, or just add a suggestion yourself. And we also want to thank people who support us on Patreon. You lost great bonus content for you guys to enjoy. We've been doing, we've been putting a bunch of stuff out the last few weeks, including the 
aforementioned uh, Animorphs, uh, as explained by manga. Uh-huh. Uh, we want to thank as well Steve Mann, our talker artist, Infamous Planet for creating the visual uh, frame for the stream, and Milo Jack Stillitz and Winston Del Cheddar for creating the opening theme of Weekly Manga Recap. Yep. It is greatly appreciated, guys. And that does it. Next week, we'll be back in the heart of Halloween. Boo-hoo-ha-ha. I mean, it'll, it'll be three days before Halloween, but yes. Well, some say the scariest day of Halloween is uh, Halloween Eve, 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 Eve. Yes. That's right. also a thing that people have said before. So if we uh, take the 31 uh, mm-hmm. for October 31st for Halloween and backwards as 13. Yes. 13 unlucky number Friday the 13th Friday uh, is if you take the 13 Friday is two days after Wednesday. Yes. Three minus one is two. But it's one minus three negative two from Friday Wednesday. Yes. There you go. And if you go back four days from the 31st, four is the number of death in Japanese. True. Um, But you don't go actually back four days because then you'd be on the 27th, which is not the day we're doing it. So it's almost four, which is just as scary, maybe more scary. Think about it. All right, work that out. Yep. All right, your Halloween lore podcast signs <laughs> off now. <laughs> we're, we're a subsidiary. Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs>